would like to welcome you to our weekly Bible study for 5-27-07. Today we're going to cover a few different topics. First one I want to uh, get into today, we want to update you on the impending war with Iran, the Middle East crisis. It's kind of a day-to-day -day thing with this, so it's something that we're probably going to have to just kind of continually give updates for one way or another throughout the weeks. This first article that we're going to be uh, talking about is from the Sydney Morning Herald. It's entitled, Warplanes Pound the Gaza Strip for the Ninth Day. Quoting from this article, we read, Warplanes pounded the Gaza Strip for the ninth day on Friday as Palestinians continued to fire rockets into Israel. Israeli aircraft launched seven sorties overnight, striking buildings and posts operated by Islamist movement Hamas. Hamas. The Israeli Air Force also carried out a strike near Gaza, near the Gaza residence of the Palestinian Prime Minister but insisted that he was not a target. Israel has announced that it is going to begin the controversial tactic known as targeted assassinations of Palestinian officials as by means to which to counter this bombardment. So in other words, they're going to actually start targeting uh, high-level Palestinians in, in, in order to avert this bombing that, that Israel is being subjected to. Prime Minister Ariel Sharon had used this tactic very effectively during his tenure. Killing Palestinian, Palestinian leaders, both politically and militarily, weakened the Palestinians, as they simply could not easily re reproduce and replace the skills and knowledge of their slain leaders. It is a measure of, desperate, of the desperate attitude of Israeli officials that they would have to reinstate such a killing policy. At this point, perhaps it might be helpful to review the demonic vision of Albert Pike as relates to the final World War conflict, World War III, out, out of which the Masonic Christ will appear. Now, see, you have to understand, a lot of what I base things off of on a weekly basis are not just my whim or opinions. These are things that not only does the Bible predict would happen, which is our foundation for all faith and practice, not only the Bible has clearly laid out that there's going to be a falling away, that the Antichrist will emerge, that there's going to be a great apostasy, that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived, that many will come saying, here's Christ and there is Christ, but there ain't Christ. There's going to be a lot of these things that the Bible predicted are clearly going to happen. Jesus' greatest admonition in the Gospels was be not deceived in regard to the end times. So this is the very thing we should be looking for. Are we being deceived? Now I can tell you right now for a lot of years I was deceived on many issues. And when I started realizing all the deception that was afoot I basically started studying these things. And the Bible says to study thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth in 2 Timothy 2.15 so this is something that Christians should be doing as the Bereans did in Acts because they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they sought the things out in the Bible to see if they were so so these are the things that we as Christians need to be doing especially if there was ever a time in the history of the planet to do this to see, search things out to see if they be true to see if we're being deceived on any level it's now this is the day and time where we really should be searching these things out. <clears throat> 
the Bible says in Daniel that essentially in the end times knowledge will increase and many will run to and fro trying to seek that knowledge. Well, that's the time we're living in right now. There's a lot of knowledge out there, but so much of it's deceptive knowledge. Because the media is totally controlled through the elite, the globalists, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. And who's in control of them? Satan? That's who they answer to. Okay? The prince and the power of the air. Remember, the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, these types of things. So, these are the things that operate and emanate through these wicked people. It's the end times we're moving into. And Satan has a plan. And he's had a plan for a long time. This thing that we're going to quote right now from Albert Pike was predicted back on January 22nd 1870 over a hundred years ago <laughs> okay about World War three how would he know anything about World War three in 1870 who was Albert Pike well he was a Confederate war general he's the only Confederate war general that actually has a large pedestaled statue of him within the city limits of Washington DC he's the only one why would you have a Confederate war general? in the city and a big memorial to him in the city within the city limits of Washington DC. Well, the main reason is <clears throat> basically all the wars that we've fought since the Civil War and even probably before that were were kind of like controlled crises. There were bad guys on both sides of the I'm not saying that that um there weren't a lot of godly men fighting for the South in the in the Civil War. Okay? And not to say there weren't any in the North, but I believe that you can paint a much stronger picture for the South. And uh, if you have any questions about that, just email me, and uh, I'll get you the information on that. Because there's been a lot of documentation. We've, we've been sold a bill of goods in regard to the Civil War, and really in regard to all wars okay, that, that America's fought, particularly since the Civil War. And that's a whole other rabbit trail and subject to go down we don't have time to get into today. But if you need to correspond with me, my email address is on the website, on the sermons.com website. And if you've just clicked in from an external link, my, my email address is drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x, dot netcom, n-e-t-c-o-m dot com. You can email me and I'll get you that information. But this this vision, this demonic vision of Albert Pike, who was the highest ranking Freemason, he actually wrote the book Moles and Dogma, which is like the Bible of the modern day Freemason. He was the author. Highest ranking, well not the highest ranking, but he was a very high ranking Confederate war general, has his own statue in the, in the city limits of Washington, D.C. The man was absolutely, totally, purely evil. He wrote two versions of, there's two versions of Moles and Dogma that the Masons go by. One version is just the regular version that, that somebody would get if they were a regular Mason. And then the other version is called the Esoteric Version. And the Esoteric Version is the version where he gets into what's really going on. Okay, and Albert Pike basically says in that esoteric version, now this is on a Chick track as well. Chick, Chick has a track for Masons, and it's called the Curse of Baphomet. Baphomet is also called the Goat of Mendes. And he's that big goat-like figure in the hexagram. And um, this is the, really the main one of the main deities that the Masons, Masons worship at the higher levels. It's not entry level. You're not going to know about this unless you're like 
30, 30th degree or above, okay? And even then, a lot of people don't know. But Albert Pike was, was the guy that they attribute the resurgence of the modern-day Masonic movement to, okay? And the Masons are... It's really like Babylonian mystery religions repackaged. That's what the Masons are. They're, they're a conglomeration of many different religions. Uh, they basically worship Lucifer at the top. And he said this, Albert Pike said in a quote that, and it's all right on this chick track, and I've read it many times, but he basically said that Lucifer is the god of the Masons, and that Jesus was just basically sent here to give, give Lucifer a bad name. That's basically what he said in this quote. Okay, and, and I, on the track it gives you the. And if you if you want me to send you a link to the track online, email me and I'll send you the link. You can read the whole thing. They've got several tracks in regard to Masons. Um, there's a lot of good books written on Masons. People that have come out of it. I think there's one called maybe Beyond the Lights by Bill Schneblin. He came out of it, and uh, these are, these are things that are good to uh, to be aware of. Albert Pike had a demonic vision in 1870, January 22nd, in regard to the final world conflict, World War III. Now, we've already had World War I, World War II, which was World War I and World War II, for Albert Pike, what would have been another like 40 years before even World War I would have been here. But yet he knew about this all these world wars, but he said out of World War III, there's going to be a Masonic Christ, a Masonic meaning a Freemason uh, type of Christ. He's going to represent what the Freemasons represent. Okay? Out of this crisis, he will appear. So I understand I've, I've said things about, like, cutting edge is basically saying this and a lot. Well, the occultists, the most high level most demonically possessed occultists for the last 130 years are also saying this very scenario is going to happen. Now, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. Now, I understand you don't want to be going out of the mouth of the devil to establish everything. But, it is interesting when you have biblical confirmation, when you have scholars that are, that are, that are searching things out saying this, and then you also have the occult saying the same thing, that this is how... It's going to go down. There's going to be a World War III, and out of the out of the ashes of World War III, the Antichrist will arise. It's the perfect scenario for him to arise. So Albert Pike received a demonic vi vision, which we're going to read in a second, on January 22, 1870. Pike and one of his international co-conspirators, co Giuseppe Manzini, published the plan which would establish the New World Order. The plan was kept very secret. <clears throat> only within the Freemasonic circles since the time of its inception, known to only fellow occultist Illuminati conspirators. This information is taken from the book of a, of a former Luciferian Illuminist. His name is Doc Marquis. Now, I've actually talked to Doc Marquis on the phone. I've talked to this guy. He was kind of a, uh, he was called a generational Luciferian. Now, people that are, that are, that are involved in high-level occult, Particularly in these 13 families that, that run, the, run the world that refer to themselves as the Illuminati. Not openly, but I'm saying behind the scenes, they, they're called the Illuminati. These are the guys like the DuPonts, the Astors, the Bundys, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, these guys. Okay, These are the ones that control the politicians. These are the ones that establish world policy. But they're not normally the ones right in, in, in the front 
they usually have puppets that they control up front, these politicians, that basically do their bidding. Because see, Satan always likes to kind of be in the back. He doesn't want to just come out with his agenda up front. If that were the case, everybody would know it and, and, and they, would, they wouldn't get into it most of the time. Remember, Satan was the most subtle beast of the field in Genesis. So he's not just going to come out and hit you with a sledgehammer. He's going to do this very subtly, and this is how he does things. So Doc Marquise was a member of this. He was a generational Luciferian, because that's what they refer to themselves as, generational Luciferians, usually not generational Satanists. A Satanist is somebody that can just do, justify just doing all bad, 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 bad. Whereas a Luciferian, a little bit different. Luciferians believe that they kind of have to balance their good and their bad. But they do, even when they supposedly do good, it's always self-serving. Uh, for instance, if you have a philanthropist who's a generational Luciferian, and he's doing all this wicked, wicked stuff behind the scenes, then he'll come out and he'll have this foundation where he'll open a hospital, and they'll, give, they'll name the hospital after him, and you, you can... Uh, like that one guy used to go out and, and for public for the public used to throw silver dimes to little kitties. This was back in the 30s. I, I don't know if that was Pillsbury or one of those guys. So see, on the outward, they, they appear as these wonderful people, these philanthropists that just do all these good works. And then on the other side, they're worshiping Satan. That would be more the definition of a Luciferian. Whereas a Satanist... Anything pretty much goes. They're just doing all evil all the time. But it's hard to portray a public image if you're a Satanist. You're not going to get very far in the public image if you're a Satanist. You know, like Anton LaVey. I doubt that Anton LaVey that wrote the Satanic Bible that started the first church of Satan in May 1st, 1966 in San Francisco, I doubt that he would have gone very far even running for mayor as the, in the town of San Francisco, much less president. Okay, So that's what you have to kind of understand about these guys. Doc Marquis came out of this. And he wrote a book, The Secrets of the Illuminati, which reveals much of the formerly hidden details known to Illuminists. Now, he's not the only guy saying this. There's a lot of people that have come out of this that are confirming what he said. He also has a really good uh, video on all the occultic origins of essentially all of our holidays, which are actually satanic holy days in this country. Other than Thanksgiving, they all have pagan roots. They all have, and, and if you have any doubts about that, please email me. I'll get you the information on the fact that we've been totally duped about the holiday system in this country. It's all by design. Remember, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge according to Hosea 4.6. And so, the secret that Albert Pike the secret that Albert Pike um, talked about was a plan to control the world by establishing a new world order which foresaw the need for three world wars. Now this was 1870. We're going to establish a new world order and we need three world wars to do it? And he knew this back in 1870? Hmm. Well, you know, the devil has some foreknowledge as well. This is, this is how psychics can get it right sometimes. They don't get it right all the time. But see, the test of a prophet is, back in Deuteronomy, I believe, 18, is you have to get it right all the time. If you say you're a prophet, like so many of these Pentecostals do, you better be nailing it 100% of the time. Oh, I'm hearing from God. This is going to happen. Oh, well, I got it right 50%. That doesn't cut it with God. The psychics that you go get your fortune tell, you, you go, they'll read a crystal ball or scry or tea re leaf reading or whatever they do. Well, yeah, a lot of times they'll get it right 50% of the time or even higher. But if you're a true prophet of God, according to the Bible, in Deuteronomy 18, you're supposed to get it right 100% of the time. 
The Third World War was foreseen to begin with, with Judaism and Islam. Wow. Now, he knew this back in 1870, that the Third World War it was going to be a basic battle between Islam and Judaism, which is basically what exactly what we're looking at in the Middle East. What is the biggest linchpin point of tension in the Middle East? The Jews, Judaism. What is, what is, the, other, what is the other side? Islam. He knew this back in 1870. So, this, this war will initially be between Judaism and Islam and, and expand outward to engulf the whole world. This prophecy is incredible in many ways, beginning with the understanding that this prophecy of a third world war occurred in 1870, a time when Israel did not even exist as a nation. Think about that. This is why people get swept up in the occult many times. Because there's some things that go on in the occult that are pretty impressive. You know, that they can point to. Well, how do we know this and this and this? And, and you know. And people get swept up from that standpoint as well. This Israel did not even exist as a nation in 1870. And when... At the time, no one except a fundamental, fundamental Bible-believing Christian would ever believe it would have ever existed again. No other religion would have even believed that at that time. This warfare we are describing here will be taken by a military analyst as a typical run-out to an all-out war. Hamas is attacking Israel daily with rockets and artillery, while Hezbollah is trying to neutralize Lebanon so that she can freely attack Israel. See, there's different factions of the Islamic movement, the radical Islamic movement, really the fundamental Islamic movement, because see, these, these Islamic extremists are actually being fundamental to the Quran. In other words, if you're a fundamental Christian, you believe fundamentally, and you go by fundamentally what the Bible says. If you're a fundamental Muslim, or Islamic person, you're going to go fundamentally by what the Quran says. And what does the Quran say? It says to destroy and slay the infidels. Who are the infidels? Any non-believers. Particularly the Jews. That's what they're told to do. Over and over and over again. And if you have doubts about that, please email me. I'll get you the full article. I'll get you the verses, book, chapter, and verse in their Quran where it says to do this. This is what... But see, most of the... Um, Islamic world is not that radical. And they'll say, oh, it's a religion of peace and these things. And they're not even going by the Quran at that point. They're just being wolves in sheep's clothing. So, Syria has moved army units very close to the border with Lebanon and Israel. And the Iranian trained and equipped Iraqi insurgents are daily bogging American forces further into the swamp called Iraq. We can only wait to see how matters will unfold, but it is conceivable that an all-out Islamic forces could be ready to, to attack by the 40th anniversary of the Six-Day War. Interesting point, I hadn't thought of that. Which would be June 5th through 10th, 1967. See, in the Six-Day War, um, Israel achieved a mighty victory there, and basically um, took total possession of Israel. In 1967, June 5th through 10th. So, it's going to be the 40th anniversary coming up of that. As we have noted in earlier communications, Israel is facing many thousands of rockets and missiles capable of delivering traditional and non-traditional forms of ordinances. These are fearful times for Israel. Okay, so I wanted just to touch upon that this morning and let you understand that this has been predicted by occultists for a long, long time. This isn't just some pet doctrine of some ministry or myself or whatever. 
I don't see a, a better way for the Antichrist to arise than a Middle East, all-out Middle East War, World War III type of scenario where the Antichrist arises. In another article we're going to get into, uh, this was just came out uh, this week. It's entitled, War Signs, Iran Lighting Many Fires. Middle East war signs continue to escalate these first three days of the week. Not only did Hezbollah continue battling the Lebanon army in northern Lebanon, and not only did Hamas continue to bombard Israeli towns, but nine American naval warships passed directly into the Persian Gulf through the Strait of Hormuz, dramatically raising tensions throughout the entire region. Now this isn't my opinion, any of this. We're just documenting news. okay? So be like, but see, it's not the nightly news, because the media is totally controlled through these various organizations. Because who owns the media? Well, wicked, wicked, evil people. And if the wicked people own the media in America and throughout the world, do you think we're going to get a straight answer? It's not going to happen. So this is from the Debka file from May 23rd. It's entitled, Nine U.S. military ships enter the Persian Gulf Wednesday, assembling off the Iran's coast in the largest American naval move since 2003. They sailed through the Strait of Hormuz by day, according to U.S. Navy officials, for training exercises. The vessels carry about 17,000 combat and marine personnel. They include two aircraft carriers, the USS Nimitz and the USS Stennis, as well as the USS Bonhomme Richard, the world's biggest amphibious strike force. And, and Iran was not notified of the planned arrival. So, not only do you have all the stuff going on in, in Israel... And everybody's trying to kill them, and, and, and they're, they have, they're instructed by the Quran that they have to do this. But now you've got this gigantic thing, not only going on in Iraq, but now we've got this, this unbelievable thing that's escalating in Iran now. The movement of this type of naval force into the small Persian Gulf represents a dramatic escalation of Middle East tensions. These ships have been sailing in the Arabian Sea, which borders a small portion of Iran. However, by moving these ships into the Persian Gulf, a much larger portion of the Iranian coastland is within the guns, missiles, and airplanes of the American Navy. Furthermore, and most importantly, among the nine naval vessels which moved into the Persian Gulf was the USS Bonhomme Richard, the world's biggest amphibious strike force. By including the amphibian landing vessel in the mix of the nine ships going to the Persian Gulf, the Bush administration is signaling that they might just land an invading force on the shores of Iran. As you can see from this picture, now there's a picture of this actually of these carrier groups going into this. This amphibious landing craft is also a small aircraft carrier because it actually you know they show a picture here, and. <clears throat> Uh, it was used during the initial phases phases of Operation Iraqi Freedom. This ship offloaded more than a thousand fully equipped American Marines into Kuwait. The next segment demonstrates that President Bush was sending a political signal to Iran by ordering these ships into the Persian Gulf. This is also another quote from the Debka file, May 23rd. These maneuvers that, in other words, these maneuvers into the Gulf of Hormuz take place less than two weeks after Vice President Dick Cheney visited the region and informed the Saudi Arabian King Abdullah and fellow Gulf rulers that President George W. Bush has determined that if Iran refuses to waive a nuclear weapons capability, the U.S. will attack 
its nuclear, military, and economic infrastructure. End of quote. It's, it's a basically a done deal if Bush and Cheney are permitted. Now, this is why we as Christians, I don't just get up here every week so I can read this stuff so we can all get scared. We as Christians need to be praying about these issues. You know, and above all, you pray, you know, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, we don't just pray for our own will to be done because we're motivated out of fear. We want to always pray that nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because this may be the Lord's will. The Bible says that he would, that the Lord would be the one that would send the strong delusion in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He was going to be the one. And that there's going to be all kinds of wars and rumors of wars and tensions and pestilences and things like this. God's permitting this to happen. As the world gets more and more evil and wicked, judgment's coming. And it's coming to America big time. Because of all the abominations that have been committed here for so many years now. And they're unrepented of abominations. And God always has to judge a nation that's full of abominations that are in total... And especially one that would call himself a Christian one. That's even worse. So, perhaps this movement of these... And then this is getting back to this article. This is from Cutting Edge. Perhaps this movement of such a powerful force occurred because Vice President Cheney promised such a military move to these Gulf state rulers. We have previously reported that the Gulf state rulers are very, very nervous these days because they perceive America as losing the war with Iraq. And that Iran is being allowed to become the strongest Islamic military power in the Middle East. Bush's foreign policy has driven Iran into the arms of the Russians and China. While Russia has enthusiastically responded by investing billions of dollars worth of the most advanced weaponry in, into the world of Iran. This is why Iran is probably so cocky. They know who they've got behind them. Iran and China. Now this is why this could develop into a world war. You see who we've got the players here? American Israel. Okay, and I don't know who would join up with America. Maybe Britain, maybe some of the... I don't know. We'll have to see. May or may not go that way. Against, essentially... It would be kind of like all, probably all the Islamic countries would join in together with China and Russia. This is why this could easily be considered a world war, okay? So, America, it appears as though they're losing the Iraqi war, which is also bolstering Iran's confidence levels. Russia's behind Iran and China. The Russian weaponry, weaponry threatens the American naval force, which is now in the Persian Gulf with annihilation. This weaponry includes, number one, scalier weapons. The Russians have now deployed their fifth generation scalier weapon technology. Now there is a video that Cutting Edge sells from, again, it's by Bill Schneblin. He's the one that book, wrote the, uh, did the video and the book on um, the, the Freemasons. He came out of it as a 33rd... Actually, he said he was a 95th degree Freemason. There's, there's different levels that not everybody's aware of. Uh, <clears throat> so, he has a video that you can get through Cutting Edge called Russia, Russia's Secret Weapon to Defeat America. And it's one of their most popular videos ever, actually, that's ever been sold. I didn't really realize that. I've never watched it. But it gets into this whole scalier weaponry and how Russia possesses this technology. And there's a, there's a link that you can get, that you can click into. It's called Oblivion, America at the Brink, 
scale your weaponry explain there's a link if you do that keyword search online you'll find that link to cutting edge and you can click into it now cutting edge is a subscription website and I think it's like $25 a year or something it's worth the money you, you really need to be subscribed to this website because there's it is it's cutting edge information Taylor sit back down and listen and scalar weaponry is then the the subject of this video that Bill Schneblin put out. So if you're if you're not aware of what this technology is, it'd be a good video to get. This weaponry is vastly superior. Now he now this is what Cunning Edge is saying. It's vastly superior to anything America possesses and can be used both in a defensive mode and offensive mode. Scalier weapons can erect a dome above and around the target area, preventing anything and everything from penetrating. It'd be like a force field. Scalier can also deliver atomic force explosions anywhere on Earth at the speed of light. Oh, well, that sounds pretty benign. This is what scalier weaponry can do. And now he's saying that they've got it, we don't. That I don't know. I don't know whether, we, whether we've got a big, gigantic trick up our sleeve, too, in America. It's hard to say. But I know we're more primed for judgment in America than any place on Earth. And I know Bush and Cheney and their handlers above them... and and all the people in Congress and Senate and all of our wicked government here have jockeyed us into a position in this country on, on so many different levels where we're primed for judgment. Primed! Number two, Russia has sunburn hypersonic missiles. Uh, these... This is from another news article. See, that's the nice thing I like about Cutting Edge. They, they, they just document and document and document about things that they're talking about. This isn't just somebody going up there putting up their opinion about stuff. They've got all these news articles and links you can go to to confirm this information. This article is entitled, Has the Russian and Chinese Missile Technology Doomed the U.S. Navy During the un Upcoming Planned Third World War? Defense analysis agree that the U.S. is fully a decade behind Russia in high-speed cruise missile designs. Russia currently deploys and exports the supersonic Mozart cruise missile, codenamed Sunburn. Sunburn is considered the most lethal anti-ship missile in the world. It flies at over 2.5 times the speed of sound, only a few feet from the surface of the water. This amounts to speeds of almost 1,700 miles per hour or 28 miles per minute. The Sunburn missile is deployed in all, all along the Iranian coast facing the Persian Gulf. This is the very place that all these warships from America just went into. It's deployed all along the coast. Therefore, all our ships in the Persian Gulf face annihilation from the 1,700 mile per hour anti-cruise ship missile. The danger comes even more acute when you realize that the Sunburn missile can be fitted with a nuclear warhead which could explode high over the fleet, killing most of the ships in one blow. I doubt they'd want to do that because then they would get a lot of the nuclear fallout, most likely. So, President Bush has made sure he's concentrated a lot of gigantic naval warships in a very small body of water <laughs> facing this type of lethal anti-ship weapon. You understand that, that A lot of times, things that go on in war are done for our benefit. They're done. They're done to say, "Oh, look what happened. We couldn't. We didn't know this was coming." A lot of it's so much by design because the people that are at the very, very highest levels are orchestrating both sides of the war. It's been done. It's been done for for hundreds of years. Control both sides. 
That way they can make a lot of money. A lot of money. And again, that's a whole other uh, rabbit trail to go down. The third point is that the Chinese silkworm anti-missile ship, anti-missiles, Iran has small missile boats that are equipped with these missiles. Since the American radar naval, naval radar system is virtually blind, in close, these small maneuverable missile boats pose a huge problem. Now, recently Cutting Edge posted an article that was in, that about the weakness of our Navy, which was entitled, this was just two weeks ago, 16 U.S. naval ships are at the bottom of the Persian Gulf, including one aircraft carrier destroyed during, during a recent war game disaster. The American commander leading the enemy team during this exercise knew which weaknesses he had to exploit. The American officer leading the enemy... See, they had this war game over there, okay? It was a simulated war game battle. And the, the American officer leading the enemy team, okay, this was like an American thing where, where we split up sides and one guy's going to be the bad guy and one guy's going to be the good guy, okay? So, the American officer leading the bad guys was, and this was the Force Red team, was the straight-talking Marine commander who had been brought out of retirement to lead this Red team. His name was Lieutenant General Paul Van Ripper. What a name. What a name. Paul Van Ripper. I mean, you picture this guy coming out with a hook on his hand or something, you know. I mean, the guy's an animal. And then it said, and then he had played the role of a crazed but cunning leader of the hypothetical rogue state. In other words, like a crazed, mad Islamic leader. In the first days of the war, Van Ripper's force sent most of the U.S. fleet to the bottom of the Persian Gulf. In the few days, in three days, it sent most of the whole multi-billion dollar U.S. fleet to the bottom of the sea. Now, this was simulated, okay? I, they're not really at the bottom of the sea, but, but the thing is, is it was simulated. Instead of trying to compete directly with Force Blue, which was the good guys, he utilized ingenious low-tech alternatives. Crucially, he prevented the stronger U.S. force from eavesdropping on his communications by not using the radio. Van Ripper relied on couriers instead to stay in touch with his field officers. At every turn, the wily Van Ripper did the unexpected, and in the process he managed to achieve an asymmetric advantage. Astutely and very covertly, Van Ripper armed his civilian marine craft and deployed them near the U.S. fleet. It would be like, it'd be like you're, you're out there and you've got these big gigantic battle cruisers and, and aircraft carriers and you see these pleasure boats kind of, you know, oh, that's just some guy in a yacht or whatever. But he armed these things with, um, with all kind of weaponry. And then there, what happened then is he deployed them near the fleet and they never expected an attack from these small pleasure boats. Then, Force Red's prop-driven aircraft suddenly were swarming around the U.S. warships, making kamikaze dives. Some of the pleasure, which wouldn't be any big thing if you were an Islamic. Hey, man, I, I, go, I go run my, my uh, plane into the side of this aircraft carrier, I die for Allah, I take as many Americans with me, I get a better reward in paradise, which is what they believe. Some of the pleasure boats made suicide attacks. Others fired silkworm cruise missiles from close range. Sunk a carrier, the largest ship in the fleet, along with two helicopter carriers loaded with Marines, with Navy, was unprepared. When it was over, most of the U.S. fleet had been destroyed. 
16 U.S. warships lay on the bottom and the rest were in disarray. Thousands of American sailors were dead, dying, or wounded. If the games had been real, it would have been the worst U.S. naval defeat since Pearl Harbor. That was a quote from this article. But you ask, how could these small speedboats get so close to American ships and stay there firing deadly volleys into the hulls, sinking 16 Navy ships and killing thousands? The answer is at once profound and troubling. The first problem is the Navy was heavily invested in equipment which does not work effectively in close-range fights. Our Navy was equipped and created to fight what they call a blue water enemy out in the open ocean with sometimes hundreds of miles in between them. That's how our... But see, they don't know what to do with this this up-close stuff. And here we are in the Persian Gulf here, the Gulf Strait of Hormuz, and it's this tiny body of water. They're totally vulnerable to this. Totally. So, and the radar systems were only designed to fight the Russian Navy in large open seas in what they call an over-the-horizon manner. Conversely, the Navy's radar system is not designed to track and destroy close-in naval boats. And that's all the Iranian Navy is. Small speedboats, many of which are equipped with Chinese silk war missiles. When a military force is facing such a deadly threat as the Russian and Chinese, um, and then these same Russian and Chinese are supplying the Iranian military. The wise course of action would, would be to disperse your force, but the Bush administration has now taken the opposite course of concentrating their forces in the bathtub called the Persian Gulf. If a battle with the Iranians produces anywhere near the kind of disaster of these war games, President Bush would be impeached in a heartbeat, which is what Cutting Edge believes is going to happen anyway. They believe that President Bush is being discredited and discredited and discredited is for a reason. And again, that's another rabbit trail we don't have time to go down today. Let, it, let us hope and pray that the U.S. Navy rushed special radar systems into place after the war games, which will allow American forces to keep track of close-in enemy ships and boats. If no such modifications have been made, then our forces are very vulnerable. Even if such modifications have been made, our naval ships are very vulnerable to the Russian sunburn hypersonic missiles, which the Iranians have been deploying all over the Persian Gulf. Okay, so I wanted just to say that today. I wanted to, that was my update on um, Iran. Now, you know, it's conceivable that any given week that I get into this. To, to be honest with you, I could be up on the radio uh, or up on doing this every single day, giving you day-to-day updates. I just don't have time at this point, you know, to do that. I mean, and uh, pray for me if the Lord would have me do this just full time, that I could get to that point, because I would have no problem doing this full time because there's enough things that need to be reported on on a daily basis that are not getting reported in the mainstream media that uh, doing this on a week-to-week basis I could be, I could come to you next Sunday and, and we could already totally be in the midst of World War III easily I'm telling you it could be that close this was an article I got this week from uh, a guy named Greg Everson he's a uh, I believe he's like a uh, was a former state trooper it's called The Final Battle Hymn for the America is Being Sung. I thought this guy really did a good job of summing up what's going on in America. And you heard me make the statement earlier, you know, we're ripe for judgment. And a lot of, a lot of Christians think, oh, what do you mean? God bless America. You see that all over. God bless America. That's like basically saying God bless Sodom and Gomorrah anymore. 
I, I'm just sorry. I, I can't. I can't agree with that. We deserve judgment. And, and this is just going to get into some of the reasons why we deserve. If you don't think we deserve judgment, well then just listen to this. Because I think this man did a real good job at summing things up and why we're ripe for judgment in America. The sound of battle is a peculiar, a peculiar one. It includes the shuffling of many feet, the rustle of people moving in combat gear, the lowered voices of people encouraging others to not let fear prevail, which is true. I'm not here to, to, to put, instill the fear of man in you, because the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. But the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Who? God. Fear God. Pray for the fear of God in your own life. Because the fear of God is connected with so many blessings, many of which are connected with protection. Pray to be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming on the earth. This is one of the things the New Testament points out clearly. That you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming on the earth. Jesus said that. So, we, we're not here to instill fear of man. We're here to educate so that you can pray, so that you can get your affairs in order. Because the Bible says, The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. So these are things we should be doing. And God's going to do that differently with every single person. Okay? So, I'm not saying cookie cutter here, you got to do this, you got to do that. But, at least you're going to be aware of it. At least you're not going to be living in some delusional dream world like the, the vast majority of Americans are living in right now. In a symbolic sense, in a symbolic sense, that is what's happening at the moment. In other words, this sound of battle that's coming. The battle lines have been drawn and they encircle our nation. Coast to coast and border to border, the enemy strongholds are found in Washington, D.C., many state capitals, and deep in the bowels of corporate America, as well as the banksters everywhere. I'd say pretty much summed it up. But a lot of this is basically, well, we'll get into that in a second. The enemy has strongholds in the dangerous groups who worship the planet instead of Jesus. Which is true. Most of these guys that are at the, at the very, very top, supposedly, are, they worship Mother Gaia, planet Earth, you know, Lucifer, all their demonic, you know, these things. These, these wicked people are invading our classrooms on a daily basis with lies, distortions, and dangerous positions, statements about the true U.S. history, and dangerous and creeping evil of the United, of the United Nations worldwide. In other words, our kids are being brainwashed with this through the public school system. All manner of evil, they're being brainwashed. And if you can destroy the youth and corrupt them, what hope is there for the future? Because the youth are essentially the future of, of, a, uh, of a nation. And they're doing a great job at it. But specifically in the U.S., the enemy is hiding the real value of each life. That life is threatened by abortionists, pedophiles, and death-dealing drug merchants in gangs and in clinics. <laughs> in clinics. And by that he would mean an M.D. who's prescribing all these meds and people are getting addicted to them. Now I'm not talking about emergency medicine. I'm talking about trying to drug your body into good health on a daily basis. If you have any questions about that, please email me. That's my specialty. So many, many so-called mainline churches believe they are somehow fulfilling the Christian mission by breaking faith with members of their congregations and declaring themselves to be sanctuaries for Mexican illegal aliens while hiding behind their own 501c3 status. Did you know that's going on? Oh yeah! There's a whole bunch of churches now that are basically saying... 
come to us, you illegal aliens, we'll give you sanctuary. I just got an article last week from uh, or that one pastor, uh, I forget his name, Chuck Baldwin. And he had a whole article on this. whole article on how these churches are becoming sanctuaries for illegal aliens. And they're doing this because they're hiding behind their 501c3 status. Now we're going to talk about this 501c3 status for churches in a little bit here. Churches don't have the guts to preach the truth as it is, let alone to assume that they have some heavenly right to break earthly laws. All priests, pastors, ministers, and rabbis that undertake these dangerous efforts and thumb their noses at the law and their parishioners are wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, I would say that's true. Now, many of the laws that they're told to uphold are against the Bible. And we're going to see, because they take that 5013C3 status, why they're put in that position. Okay, But that's, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, which is incredibly important relating to this. So... He says that these wolves in sheep's clothing are to be shunned at all costs. These churches where this is being done. Their churches need to be closed and the guilty parties need to be prosecuted. Well, the thing is, why that's not going to happen is because our government's the one that's letting them over the border. We could stop that in a heartbeat. The citizenry could stop it if they just let the, even the citizens man the border. But no, they, they're not going to fight that all the way. Because see, this is all by design. America's being destroyed by design. A church that upholds biblical truths and preaches against the sin of adultery, homosexuality, drug usage, and any number of societal ills brought on by far too much tolerance in the church and in our communities are targeted as bigoted. See, these churches that preach against these things are targeted as bigoted and out of touch with society. The old adage is true. Why does God turn his back or... On America, because we have legislated him out of our national life. He's a God of honor. He has left us like we demanded, to our own stupidity and arrogance. How utterly and completely foolish. See, if a nation wants to live like the devil, God will let him do it for a time. He will. And all we're doing is storing up wrath for the, for the day of judgment, essentially. And all of our stupid behavior in this country is going to be a judgment against us. Okay? Lincoln and Kennedy both introduced treasury-authorized notes into the nation's money supply. They both bypassed the banking system of their time and brought in a debt-free bill into the financing system. Thus, the controlling banks of the 1860s and the Federal Reserve of the 1960s were faced with a loss of control and, quote, income derived from national debt. It is a coincidence that both men, is it a coincidence that both men were killed and assassinated? Banksters are just that, banksters who control the system and gangsters that live off the interest of a debt-based currency, which is interest paid for all, for, for by all of our legally collected income tax funds combined. Now that's a big statement, what we just said there. Let me read it again. Banksters are just that. Bankers who control the system and the gangsters that live off the interest of a debt-based currency, which is what we have in America. Okay, since 19... Oh, uh, 17 or 13, when the Federal Reserve Act was formed, I believe it was 1913, we've been under what they call a debt-based currency. They started taking us off the gold standard and officially off the silver standard in 1968. There's nothing backing our money. What is that called? That's called a debt-based currency. 
in a debt-based currency, you have to have hyperinflation. This is why they form the income tax system. The income tax through the IRS is only every single dime of what you pay into it just goes off to pay off the interest on the federal debt created by this debt-based currency. According to the Grace Commission that Ronald Reagan commissioned when he first got into office, they did an audit of all factions of government. The, Gra the Grace Commission, and I can get you this quote if you want it, reported back to Ronald Reagan that not one dime of what we pay into our income taxes goes to running this country. It's purely to pay off the interest created on this hyperinflated debt-based currency that was created through the bankers. And the bankers are really the ones that control the earth. The Rothschilds are the head-head bankers of the world. They're the ones that decide the price of gold and silver at the end of the day. If you can control the monetary supply of the world and manipulate that money, you, you essentially control the world. Okay, Our money is going to them. The income tax. It's going to the bankers. It's going to these privately... These people are the most wicked of the wicked of the wicked. That's where your money is going to, if, you, if the truth be known. It's not going to running this country. There's many other taxes that we have, like gas taxes, property taxes. Uh, there's literally hundreds of them. Those are the taxes that actually go to running this country, not the income tax. We're taxed to death in this country. If you have any doubt, um, do a keyword search for freedom to fascism, in quotes. Watch the, either you can purchase the DVD, or you can go to freedomtofascism.com, or you can go up online and watch it for free on Google, Freedom to Fascism, by Aaron Russo. Watch that, watch that documentary. I've never had anybody prove it wrong. That's what's wrong with, what, one of the big reasons that's wrong with our country, is because of that. Then he goes on to say, how, how stupid must we continue to be? Shut the monster down and free our people from the clutches of these demons. Well, they're not going to do that. The demons are not going to... These devils are not going to just relinquish the hold that they have on this country. It's not going to happen. The much-stated and freedom-killing actions of the 20th century have been overlooked. Hidden, carefully crafted by the spinmeisters from the Council of Foreign Relations to appear ridiculous to rationally observant citizens and allowed to flourish by a complicit legislation, executive and judicial ruling elite that have been bought and paid for by the banks and their surrogates in business. Treasonous acts against our constitutional republic have been achieved thousands of times by presidents, congre congressional members, military leaders, and corrupted local and state level bureaucrats who have nothing to lose and everything to gain by placing our citizenry at the front door of slavery. They forced the 14th, 16th, and 17th Amendments on Americans without ratification, and the 16th Amendment was where they formed the income tax, without ratifications that have destroyed our national will. The five-star general of, of the Army, Douglas MacArthur, was fired because Henry Truman was a coward and a co-conspirator co-conspirator in the wasting of 50,000 American Korean War dead. Remember, I said all these wars are created. Both sides are controlled by these, these top level families because they make money off both sides. War is very profitable. Not only can you seize land and control a citizenry, but imagine all the profits to be made off the bullets and the guns and the ammunition and the gunpowder and the food and all the things that go into the aircraft carriers and the planes. And We're talking gigantic money here. 
work contractors, the oil that's used, all the things that are... So see, they make a lot of money. The Soviets in the, in the, in the United Nations knew of every plan, act, and strategic assessment and deployment action that the Allied forces ever undertook before they ever implemented them in the Korean War. You hear that? The Soviets knew about this stuff prior to any Americans moving. You wonder why we couldn't win, particularly the Vietnam War? Well, it'd be kind of hard to win when there were certain places that you couldn't bomb. Imagine that. We're fighting the, the, the uh, North Vietnamese, and there are certain places that are totally off-limits to bombing. And, that it's, and that's the, the stronghold in the heart of the enemy. But, well, we can't, we can't attack there. They can attack anywhere in South Korea. But we, we had all these places that were off-limits, and they knew all of our, our maneuvers ahead of time be kind of hard to win a war that way. But what you could do then is have a nice, big, long, slow, drawn-out war that, that took a lot of lives, which these, which these high-level Illuminists and Satanists view as sacrifices to Satan, if the truth be known, just like they view abortions the same way. What, in the Bible, what was the highest thing that you could do to Satan? What was the best thing? Child sacrifice. Human sacrifice. You think Satan's any different today? He just does it a little more veiled. Today they don't they don't deliver the child for the most part out of out of the woman and deliver them and put them in in the uh, the hands of Moloch that they've heated the statue up to like two thousand degrees so he's white hot and they put the poor little innocent baby on his hands and burn him up. They don't really do that today. It's done more in secret. It's done more subtly now. Now they kill the baby in the womb in darkness. So then it's more palatable. You know, if, one, if, if there's a little kid that's abducted after they're born, or let's say a six-month or a one-year-old, there's all this cry that'll go up to, you know, find the baby and all this other stuff. But yet, there's thousands of babies, at least 4,000 every day in America, that are slaughtered in the womb, and there's no real cry going up for them in the media. That's okay. Because it's done in darkness and secret, and it's okay. Because it's a woman's choice. It's a woman's choice to destroy that human life that lies within them. That sounds reasonable to me. I mean, yeah, it's okay. Just, just kill the baby. Evidently, that mother thinks that she has the right to decide whether that baby lives or dies. And God was the one that formed the baby in the womb. He said that to the prophet. I believe Isaiah. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet. Before he formed him in the womb, he knew him. And these little babies that are that are getting slaughtered in the wombs, that right there is, is enough for, for this to all come down on, on this country. Right there. Roe versus Wade. What, what is it? 40 million plus lives taken since then in America? All that innocent blood crying out from the land? If Abel's innocent blood cried out from the land, he was a grown man, and his, and his innocent blood cried out from the land, and it, and it grieved God. How much more so 40 million plus innocent little babies' blood crying out from our land? Do you think that might curse the land that we're in? All that innocent blood running through? That's what I'm saying. We, we, we deserve judgment. If any nation ever deserved judgment, we do. And, and not only because of that, but because we call ourselves a Christian nation. And that's such an abomination. It would be better to call ourselves a bunch of pagans. I think that would be more palatable in God's eyes. So, going with this a little further, these Soviets in the United Nations knew of every act, plan, and strategic assessment and deployment action that the Allied forces ever undertook before they ever implemented them. The KGB files after the Soviets imploded 
confirm this to be the case. Virtually the same set of sellout ideas were used during the Vietnam War by the same United Nations Soviet spies and American traders in the State Department to aid and abet the war profiteers in corporations and banks, the executive branch, the CIA, and the president conspired to agitate the American people to accept a reasonable weapons of mass destruction explanation to begin the Iraqi war. See, it's no different now. We're even more wicked now. Council of Foreign Relations members Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice sold themselves as perfect puppets as they stood sh shoulder to shoulder with the president in line to the American people. The arrogance and the conspiratorial treasonous activities of hundreds of congressmen, Pentagon officials, and CIA administrators would have resulted in wholesale executions under Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, Hussein, and most likely George Washington. But these renegade rulers should be placed before a grand jury tried and placed in prison for life if convicted. In other words, he's saying if, if we tried to do, if, if the people in our government did what they did under Hitler or Stalin, these, they would have been killed a long time ago. But in our country, it's okay. These corporate banking extreme left-wing environmentalist PETA criminals... PETA is People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, um, which, again, is a front group, okay? I like animals, too, but it's a front group for, for a lot of the whole um, tree-hugging, Mother Gaia-worshipping people. So let me read that again. Those corporate banking and extreme left-wing left environmentalists, PETA criminals, illegal alien terrorists, and world governance, no more... American sovereignty goons, the North American Union profiteers, anti-constitutionalists, Second Amendment haters like Charles Schumer, Boxer, Feinstein, Kennedy, Pelosi, and Reid all need immediate repudiation and directives from the American people to cease and desist or face the retribution of the American people. Well, that's a joke. Swift and uncompromising. American people, just you can't get them motivated for nothing. Trust me, I've been trying to do it for seven, eight plus years now. I'm not coming down on anybody listening to this broadcast, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's pretty tough. It's not, it, not going to probably change until there's a boot across their throat and it's going to be too late at that point. Now God is still in control. He's still on the throne. Okay, I believe he is still going to preserve a remnant, his elect. Okay, I'm not going to say that we're not going to have to suffer, but I'm just saying judgment's coming in America. Aaron Russo's brilliant film, which is one the one I just talked about, about the illegal taxation system and the criminal Federal Reserve books and the criminal Federal Reserve uh, books, okay, he wrote this kind of weird. The way he wrote this is kind of disjointed, this article, so it doesn't sound, doesn't flow real, real well when I'm trying to read it. But he's talking about Aaron Russo's film, the criminal Federal Reserve, there have also been books by the hundreds by leading experts concerning the 9-11, Flight 800, the JFK, RFK, MLK um, assassinations, mysterious deaths of leading scientist Dr. Royal Rife, who developed a high-frequency generator that killed virtually all disease no organisms known to man, which is just true, Royal Rife, but see what they did to him is they burned all his research and they drove him out of the country and he basically died almost, you know, penniless. And then another guy mentions is Alan Cajano, who invented 
a revolutionary fuel vaporizing system that produced 110 mile per hour per gallon, 110 miles per gallon. See, they don't want to release any of this information, this technology, because the technology would free the people up, it would free their money up. We've got technology now where we wouldn't even have to use petroleum products. The government has totally withheld this. People that have tried to come out with cars that run, there's a guy that invented a car that ran on water. There's a guy, in fact, there was a guy recently, it was, um, a guy, another guy that, that ran a, uh, vetted a car that ran water. I watched the whole video on him. He was up in St. Petersburg, Florida. They killed him. Any one of these guys that will not sell their technology to the big oil companies or to whoever approaches them, they get assassinated. Because they cannot have this technology coming out because it's too much of a threat to the oil industry. And the oil is one of the primary ways they're keeping us in bondage. As they keep bumping the price of the oil up, we all of our money ends up going to buying gas now, which is the way it's getting. Go into the stores now; they're empty. I, I was just—I had to get some clothes for my little girl yesterday, and I mean, a lot of the stores are way emptier than I've ever seen them. Everybody's spending their money on gas. Well, it's all by design; it's control. They keep—they keep squeezing you and squeezing you and squeezing you until there's nothing left. That's their design. That's why I'm saying, prepare now. In as much as you can. Because it's not going to get any better. I just don't believe it is. Unless, by some miraculous hand of the Lord, our wicked government is basically taken out. <laughs> I don't see any other way. I really don't. And it would have to be God's doing. So, this guy invented a, a, a fuel vaporizing system that where you get 110 miles per gallon. I think that would change things dramatically. If you got 110 miles per gallon, what would that do to most people? Well, it would quintuple. It would it would it would improve their gas mileage five, six, seven times. It would depend on what kind of car they're driving. The but see, they don't want that. They want cars to get bad gas mileage because then you got to buy more gas. Why is it that they've had this technology for all these years and yet the cars today get barely any better gas mileage than they did whenever? They keep, you know, it's, it's just, we're just being fed lie after lie after lie in every facet of our life. It's not just this, it's everything. This is what I've dedicated my whole life to. Basically being a watchman and exposing this evil. The federal, the uh, Food and Drug Administration's incestuous relationship with the pharmaceutical companies who then fast-track the company's dangerous drugs to doctors who have sold themselves in their practice to their megabuck clinic they will um, rewards while waiting for the day that they can close all the natural supplements down or control them by taking the true freedom of choice from the American people. If you've been on my email list, you'll know that they're trying right now unbelievably hard to totally essentially take all the natural supplements and put them in the hands of the MDs through various things like Codex Alimentarius, through various Senate bills they're trying to railroad down our throat. Please email me if you want any more information on that. They're, they're trying to create a very sick, drug-controlled population that will be very easy to control. Because if you're sick, think about when you're sick. You know, it's kind of tough to resist when you're sick. You know, it's kind of kind of tough to be up there really wanting to fight and go into battle when you feel terrible. When you got somebody drugged out of their mind, whacked down on all these medications, you know, they're they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna be the best candidate to go to battle. 
Gun control, hate speech, school agendas that advocate unlimited sexual activity, promotion of the homosexual child-adult sexual relationships, the unlimited drug use, are all about people control and a mindset that focuses on the obscene and criminal rather than the moral and righteous. Bill and Hillary Clinton's uh, gift of technology to the Chinese, what other words, we sold them all kind of... Uh, all kind of our military secrets to the Chinese. What? Um, the deaths of investigators who got too close to the Mena, Arkansas thing. Now, this is a whole other thing with what we're talking about with Clinton. If you have any doubts about this, email me, and I'll get you a link to the video that goes into the Clintons and the trail of dead bodies that they left behind and all the things that, that happened with the Clintons. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the corruption it's no different now. It's no different with the Bushes or anybody else now. In fact, I think they're even worse. But, anyway, all of this can be easily documented. There, why have these and many other criminal acts perpetuated by business and government agents been left untouched by the competent and honest FBI and Justice Department investigators? Well, probably because they're not competent or honest. Because the U.S. government cannot survive the real truth. It cannot survive the truth. If it could, the government would have demanded full investigations broadcast in the light of day. Disclosure will never happen with this government in power and the shadow government with its agents in the media. And all of this under the umbrella of death if you try to expose any of it. Emergency powers, ancient states of continuing emergency, the Patriot Act, thousands of unconstitutional laws, judicial deceit, judicial muzzling of the jury, executive orders, legislative manipulation, distortion, wiping away the Bill of Rights, nationalization of the state's military guards, police agencies, and the directors bought and paid for by Washington are all treasonous acts. This outrageous sellout of freedom, personal sovereignty, and liberty all stem from the convenient nullification of our protection from the involuntary servitude found under the 13th Amendment. So that was his take on things. Now we're going to go into this a little bit further. You, you heard me mention about the 501c3 church. Well, I think it's time that we expand on this a little bit more. Uh, why this is so important. Why harp on it so much. Because... I'm gonna, we're going to prove right now that the 501c3 churches are absolutely in bed with Satan. It's that bad. It truly is. And this is why I believe the Lord's called me out and a lot of other people out. Do you realize the home church movement is actually the second largest denomination in America right now? Now, that denomination is not really a good word. but And not to say all the home churches are, are good, I'm sure. Um, and I don't want to sit here and think like, you know, I'm the only purveyor of truth in the world. Or that we're the only ones doing it right. I'm, I'm not going to be so as presumptuous as to say that. But people know something's wrong is the point here. And they're coming out of the churches, uh, evidently in droves. Because if it's the second largest denomination, there's got to be a lot of people doing somewhat what we're doing. Now I call this really a home church, I guess, Bible study. Uh, I'm not sitting up here calling myself a pastor or anything like that calling this a Bible study and current event study. And this is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're studying to show ourselves approved unto God. We're being as the Bereans do to search these things out to see if they be so. This first article is entitled The Faith-Based 501c3 Churches Are Now Part of Homeland Security. Did you know that? Oh yeah, they're part of Homeland Security. One of the most wicked organizations ever found. Homeland Security is the one that's basically the one linked up with um, 
uh, KBR and Halliburton to make all the prison camps in America, all the, the seven to 800 plus prison camps that are already in America set up empty, waiting for people to fill them, like you and I. Oh yeah. Homeland Security is the one that's working intricately with them. And now they're basically proclaiming that all the 501c3 churches are now part of Homeland Security. Well, if you're a 501c3 church, you're part of that, whether you like it or not. Because you chose to take that status, and we're going to talk about that more. <laughs> executive order. Now, this is an executive order from the White House. I'll send you this link, okay, if you don't believe me. This is from the White House. Executive order. Responsibilities of the Department of Homeland Security with respect to faith-based and community initiatives. Now, I'm quoting right from this uh, executive order from this whitehouse.government link. This is not my opinion. By the authority vested in me as President of the Constitution and the laws of the United States, this is George Bush, M March 7, 2006, he signed this, in order to help the federal government coordinate a national effort to expand opportunities for faith-based and other community organizations and the need to strengthen their capacity to, meet, to better meet America's social and community needs, it is hereby ordered as follows. Number one, the establishment of a center for faith-based and community initiatives at the Department of Homeland Security. The Security of Homeland, the, the Secretary of Homeland Security shall, shall establish within the Department of Homeland Security a center for faith-based and community initiatives centers. Now these are the 501c3 churches that they're in reference to here. Okay, And it's going to be within the Department of Homeland Security. They will coordinate a comprehensive departmental effort to incorporate faith-based and other community organizations into department programs and initiatives to the greatest extent possible. So they're going to try to coordinate Homeland Security and these 501c3 faith-based faith initiative churches into the Department of Homeland Security. Now, we're going to, I'm not going to just say this and go off the subject. We're going to do more confirmation here. Now, this was signed by George W. Bush at the White House, March 7, 2006. Now, I'll send you the link to this whole thing. You can go up there and read it for yourself. I just gave you a little portion of it. This next article is entitled, The Secret Plan of FEMA. FEMA is another incredibly wicked organization in America. And they're planning to use pastors as pacifiers in the preparation for martial law. Let me read that again. The secret FEMA plan to use pastors as pacifiers in preparation for martial law. Wow, that's a pretty heavy-duty statement. This nationwide initiative trains volunteers to teach congregations to obey, quote, obey the government during the seizure of guns, property, forced inoculations, and forced relocation. Did you know they can force inoculate you as soon as they d declare martial law under the, under the uh, Patriot Act? Yep, I've got it all documented on my Avion Flu DVD. If you want to, if you want to uh, get that DVD, just email me, and I'll send you the link on how to get it. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a 150 PowerPoint presentation where I document the whole thing and how they're probably going to use, or how they could use avian flu to start all this, to, to force inoculate us as soon as they declare martial law, force inoculate you against your will. That's just one of the things they're going to do. You will have no more right to your person in any way, shape, or form. They can take your family, throw you in a prison camp, do whatever they want to you. You have no, you, according to their, what they've already, the legislation that's already been signed, these executive orders, you, have, you will have no rights at all. None.
So you better prepare yourself mentally that this would happen. Because if there's something that you that is in your mind that you'll say, I'll do this, God, but I won't do this, that may be the very thing God puts you in. Because He's going to test us. He's going to test us. There's, the, the Bible talks about the, the trial of your faith. And, the, and the, to, to, to not be amazed at these things that come upon you and the persecutions that come. As some great thing were, some mysterious thing were happening to you. If Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So these are all Bible quotes I'm giving you here. Now, you know, again, I know that sounds really brutal and that's not fun to hear. Well, I'm sorry. Wouldn't it be better to be warned now and to prepare yourself mentally? But see, you can only prepare yourself through the Holy Spirit, through drawing nigh unto God. The Bible says if you draw nigh unto God, He'll draw nigh to you. If you try to get near to God, He'll get near to you. You need to be near to the Lord going into the times that we're going into, not away from God like most people are. And I'm not saying that, that I'm, I'm the quintessential example of this, okay? I have a long way to go as well. But it's good to be aware of these things. Um, my motto is kind of like hope for the best, prepare for the worst. But I know the worst is coming to this country. What the Lord's going to do, maybe preemptively to protect His remnant, I don't know. But I'm hoping for the best, but prepared for the worst. So going back to this article, it says, A pastor has come forward to blow the whistle on a nationwide FEMA program, which is training pastors and other religious representatives to become secret police, police officers who teach their congregations to, quote, obey the government in preparation for a declaration of martial law, property and firearm seizures, and forced relocation. In March of this year, the pastor, who we, who we will refer to as Pastor Revere, was invited to attend a meeting of his local FEMA chapter, which circulated around preparedness for a potential bioterrorist attack, any natural disaster or naturally declared national emergency, which could be a bioterrorist attack, it could be a, uh, some type of a false flag nuclear event on our soil, it could be avian flu, it could be any of those things. There's any number of reasons they could declare martial law. They don't even have to have a reason. It says any, any emergency real or imagined uh, in, in a lot of these legislations. So this Paul Revere was invited to one of these local FEMA meetings of these 501c3 churches, these pastors. The FEMA directors told the pastors that attended that it was their job to help implement the FEMA and Homeland Security directives in anticipation of any of these eventualities. Hmm. Is FEMA's telling the pastors that it was their job, the pastor's job, to help implement whatever FEMA and Homeland Security told them to do? In anticipation of any of these eventualities? The first directive for the pastors was to preach to their congregations, Romans 13. The often taken out of text Bible, context, Bible passage that was used by Hitler to hoodwink Christians into supporting him. In order to teach them to obey the government when martial law is declared. Romans 13. Well, let's just go there real quick, just so we can put this to bed. I think we need to we need to just touch on this. Because, you know, obey the law of the land and all these other things, yeah, that's that's true. But what if the law of the land contradicts the word of God? Who do you obey then? Well the Bible says it is better to obey God than man. 
So you're going to be put in a position probably very soon where you're going to have to make a choice. So let's just read this real quick. Verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Now right now we do have a, a government right now that is within God's permissive will, but it doesn't mean they're doing God's perfect will. It's basically like God's giving us over to a reprobate mind. He's letting these things happen because He said it was going to be like this. He said in 2 Timothy 2.13, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. God said He was going to be the one that sent, sent strong delusions. That He said He would be the one that would choose their delusions in Isaiah 66. Verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Okay, now, if that's all you had to go by, you'd say, oh, wow, I just got to go whatever the government says and I can't do anything about it. Okay, let's read a little further, though. For the rulers are not a tear to good works, but to evil. Now, hold on. That's the whole premise and foundation of this verse. The first part of verse 3. It says, for the rulers are not a tear to good works, but to evil. But hold on. The rulers in this country are a tear to good works. And they're the ones that are wanting to do this evil. So, let me ask you a question. This is totally backwards in regard to our current government. The rulers, if, if this verse were to apply to this current government, then the rulers truly would be a tear, would not be a tear to good works. But they are a tear to good works. The hate crimes legislation right now that are being implemented, when they're fully implemented, will make it a tear, will make it a bad thing, will make it a jailable offense if you go out of the Bible. Does that sound like a higher authority that God would ordain and say this is good? Why would He do anything to contradict His word? He wouldn't. This would only apply to godly authority as the rulers mentioned are a tear. To evil works, not to good. All we do every week is talk about how our government essentially right now is a tear to good works. So this verse right here, you have to, the Bible says again, to study thyself is approved on God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. What we're doing right now is we're rightly dividing the word of truth. So again, verse 4, if for he is the minister of God to thee for good. Again, are these people ministers of God for good? Please! But if thou but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. Well again, yes, if you're doing that which is evil, well then we should the whole government should be afraid, very afraid of all the evil they're doing. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So you're telling me if I obey the government, I'm doing evil? Or if, if I obey God, I'm doing evil? See, this verse is the exact opposite scenario of what we have going on today in today's day and age. This is why the... Um, but FEMA is basically saying, just preach Roman 13, so obey the government, but they're not going into the actual context of the verse. Where if the government was truly doing God's will, they would be a tear, not to good works, but to evil. But they're not doing that. They're not doing that at all. This is one of the most sick, corrupt, evil things I've ever seen going on in this country with the government. Does that mean I think we should all get our guns out and start blowing up? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, hit your knees. 
Go to the Lord in prayer. Put on the full armor of God. Ask the Lord what He would have you do. But I, you, you, have to, you have to clarify that verse. You have to rightly divide the word of truth in order to understand the context of that verse. And the context is crystal clear. It's crystal clear. I mean, if, if the government tells you to basically renounce the name of Jesus, what are you going to do then? Well, it's, the Bible says obey the law of the land and, 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 and I, can't, I can't resist the government because then I've resisted the ordinance of God. Ah, it would, apply, it would apply. Are they doing God's bidding? Are they doing the work of the Lord? Is what they're doing against the Bible or for it? If it's, if it's against it, the Bible takes precedence over that. It's the word of God. It's, for all, it's our rule for all faith and practice. You go by the Bible, not any man. And if you have to do it unto death, well, I'm sorry. The Bible does talk about, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now, I'm not talking about works-based salvation here. I believe if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, He's going to give you what it takes to endure to the end. It's not in and of yourself. It's not of works, lest any man should boast, in regard to your salvation. So again, you have to give this to the Lord. Don't go around in fear and abject terror. Oh God, I can't do it. That's not faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you have to have faith that God can preserve you out of these things. And, and, and if you have to go through it, you know what? You have to have faith that the Lord can get you through it. He's gotten thousands and thousands and thousands of people through martyrdom, through all kinds of horrific things, he could do the same thing with us. They're humans just like we are. But you have to do it through the Lord. Through the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. So, going back to this article. It was related to the pastors that the quarantines, martial law, and forced relocation were a problem for state authorities when enforcing federal mandates due to the, quote, cowboy mentality of citizens standing up for their property and Second Amendment rights, as well as farmers defending their crops, livestock, from seizure. It was stressed that the pastors need to preach subservience to the authorities ahead of time in preparation for the roundups of people and to make it clear to the congregation that this is for their own good. End of quote. We have received... Okay, now, something else I want to talk about here real quick. FEMA, Homeland Security, coming in and telling the pastors what to do. Why would they have this right? We're going to get into this further. But they're going into these 501c3 churches that are corporate entities. These corporations are formed through the government. They have been given, they're granted their right to exist through the government. They're a corporate entity. As the pastor is the CEO and the board of directors are the deacons. That's how it's laid out in, in, the, uh, in the church, um, in the corporate bylaws and the paperwork of the church. This is I'm not making this stuff up. If they gave you the right to exist, anything that gives you the right to exist can also take away your right to exist. So if the government gives you your right to exist as a corporation, can't they take that away? They gave it to you. They were the ones that gave you it. So if a church achieves its corporate existence from the government, really in the IRS, because the IRS is the one that gives you the tax-exempt status, the 501c3 tax-exempt status. If they give you that 
your corporate existence. You are under their control. And if they created and gave you your church, your church, the 501c3 corporate right to exist, then they also have the power to destroy that existence. You gave them the power, Pastor, when you went under that. I'm not saying that all pastors are evil that did this or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they've been destroyed for lack of knowledge, or they're being destroyed. They're primed for destruction. This is why I do what I do. I'm not part of that. I'm not. And nor will I ever be again. Never. In the name of Jesus Christ. We have received confirmation from other preachers and pastors that this, now this is back to this article, that this program is a nationwide initiative and a literal Soviet model whereby the churches are being systematically infiltrated by government volunteers and used as conduits for the martial law training and conditioning. The pastor was told that over 13,000 counties were already on board with this program. 13,000 counties, not churches, counties. That's unbelievable. It falls under the umbrella of the NOVAD program. Now again, I, I can, if you want any of this information, I can email you this whole thing on the whole 501c3 church movement that goes into this much more in depth and has links that connect you to other things where you can do even more studying. This is very, very important. So this falls under the umbrella of the NOVAD, N-V-O-A-D program. So if you want to do a keyword search, just do N-V-O-A-D program in quotes, which trains its volunteers in a peer-to-peer program in a neighborhood setting. Pastors were told that that they would be backed up by law enforcement and controlling uncooperative individuals, that they would even lead SWAT teams in attempting to quell resistance. Hey man, that's what's that's 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 the reality of the churches right there, right there. You're 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 a wonderful pastor. You ch- trust ninety nine percent of them are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're hirelings, as far as I'm concerned. It's not so much what they're saying many times from the pulpit. It's what they're not saying. It's that they're not standing up for truth. And why is that? We're going to discuss why that is right now. Why does it seem like they're so muzzled? When you're in this five hundred one c three existence, you are muzzled. You're like a muzzled dog on a chain. But hey, as long as you're making the money, that's all that matters, baby. The Bible says that the hireling has no love for the sheep. He's not a true shepherd. Okay. And again, I'm not condemning every pastor on the planet. And I'm not condemning every pastor that would, prob- that would be a part of this and not know it and really not really want to implement this. But I'm saying, if you are, you better get out now. Because it's like a frog in boiling water. You know, you start them in lukewarm water. And then you slowly turn the water up to it instead of rolling boil, and by that time the frog's dead. You don't want to wait. It's like being in a mob. You want to get out. This is an article by Dr. Greg Dixon of Indianapolis Baptist Temple. Probably the foremost person on the planet that studied this more than anybody. He had his whole church taken by our government. Basically with a SWAT team and they, they bulldozed the church to the ground it was the largest independent fundamental King James only Baptist church in America at one time and uh, they had to may had to make an example of them so he's been through this war okay if anybody's qualified to, to talk about this this man is okay he's a personal friend of mine he's been on my email list for a long time and um, he's a man of God so this 
article starts out, each of these propositions, now this is 30 ways that the, that the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, tries to control preachers and churches in America. That's what this is entitled, 30 ways. Each of these propositions has been taken from the IRS publication 1828, 1828, and the tax guide for churches and other religious organizations, and from two letters from the regional commissioner of the IRS in Cincinnati that Indianapolis Baptist Temple received through discovery. And also 22 interrogatories that were included with the letters and a 4-inch file, 4 inches thick, that accompanied the letter with news clippings on the church and the pastor dating back to 1971. So this is where he's deriving all of this information from. Okay, and he's condensing it into 30 points. The following demands are what the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, requires of churches to maintain exemption from federal tax income tax. This is what the IRS requires for your 501c3 church to maintain its exemption so that you can take that money that you pay to the IRS, not a dime of it goes to run in this country, goes all to paying basically the banksters their interest on, on, on the debt-based currency that we have in this country, which is also an abomination of God because it's unjust weights and measures, which God hates and abhors. All that money, so you can ha so you can write it off on your taxes, even though the Bible says when you give, let not your right hand know what your left hand's doing. You don't give so you can write it off on your taxes. I see no biblical precedence for that at all. Show me one time in the New Testament where they gave so they could write it off on their taxes. I'm just trying to establish a little foundation here. These are the following demands of what the IRS requires of churches to maintain exemption for federal income tax. Okay, in your corporate 501c3 church, where the pastor's the CEO and the board of deacons are the directors, or the board of the directors of the board of um, the deacons of the board of directors. Number one, number one point: the church. Now, this is remember, this is from all the things I quoted before, from the IRS publication 1828, from all these interrogatories, from all the correspondences, from that four-inch thick file. This is from a man who's been there, done it, researched it more than anybody I ever know. I've ever known. Number one, the church must have a distinct legal existence. According to IRS publication 557, that legal existence would date from incorporation. So in other words, your legal existence started the day you became incorporated. That's on page three. Therefore, a church must be incorporated. So in other words, if you're going to have a, you're going to get your nice tax exempt, status from the federal government, from the Internal Revenue Service. And again, show me any place in the Bible where it says we're supposed to incorporate our churches under the government. If you make the government your head or the IRS your head, and if the head is corrupt, then the whole body's sick. This is one of the main reasons why the church is in the state it's in. They've got away from the true word of God, which is the King James Bible, and they're all corporate entities. Out to make money as much as they can. Seeker-friendly. Give them that bro cream religion, a little dabble do ya. I get angry when I read this stuff. I really do. I, I get I get angry. I, I'm, and I'm just telling you right now, I'm righteous and indignant about this because this I, everything else that I went over today, that's all well and good. That's the world. But this is the church. And you know what? When Jesus came to the world, who did he get mad at? Did he get mad at prostitutes and the tax collectors and things like No. Not really, if you look at them. Not really. Did he get mad at the maniac at Gainardema where the guy was possessed with, you know, a legion of devils? No, I don't see that. Did he get mad at them, God? No. 
Who did he get mad at? Hmm. Scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, the lawyers, the ones that had added to the Word of God, the ones because of their because of the, of the tradition of men they've made the Word of God of none effect. Those were the ones he got mad at. These are the same people that we need to be getting mad at today. It's called righteous indignation. There's nothing wrong with it. These are the people that the hirelings that have destroyed the flock. And it's because of the information I'm getting into now that that door's been opened. The church, number two, let's look at the second point here. And again, when, we, when we're going through all of these, ask yourself a question with every single point. Ask yourself this question. Where is there biblical precedence for any one of these 30 points? Show me. Please, show me in the Bible. Obey the law of the land? I think we've just talked about that. Obey the higher powers? I think we just talked about that, haven't we? Those higher powers that are quoted in the Bible are powers ordained by God, but they're the ones that are tear to evil works, not to good. This is evil, what I'm talking about here. Evil. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, isn't the, isn't the church kind of... I mean, if you're attending church, isn't that... I mean, I know the Word of God is really our foundation. That's been polluted through all these false Bible verses. But then beyond that, the church that you go to, the pastor who's the head of the church, the Bible... What if that, what if that, what if that foundation's been corrupted? What if it's been compromised? There's another foundation then that gets destroyed. Point number two. The church must admit that it exists by privilege granted by the IRS. They're tax exempt. Rather than by the right granted by God through the Holy Scriptures. Which is really non-taxable if you research that thing out. They must recognize another head which is the state rather than Christ. So let me just kind of go over that again. The church, this is, now again, all these points are to maintain your federal tax exemption as a 501c3 church. So you can get subsidies and you can, all your parishioners can write it off and you can be all squared with the government. The church must admit that it exists by privilege, granted by the IRS. What a stinking abomination for the pit of hell! Privilege by the IRS? Show me in the Bible where that is. I got to go to the IRS, but that's exactly what they're doing. You got to go to the IRS in order to get your privilege to go. This is why I'm so adamant about this point. Rather, you have to get privilege from the IRS rather than from God and the Scriptures to form your corporate entity. What an abomination. What a stench in God's nostrils. That's just point two. Let's go to point three. The church must have a recognized creed and form of worship. The IRS must approve and recognize the creed, belief, and form and manner of worship. Isn't that nice? Okay, we just had a question come up, which is going to come up probably for a lot of people listening to this, and probably even maybe some pastors and deacons. They would come to you and say, well, bless God, the day they start trying to do all this stuff to me and, and implement all this other stuff, then that's the day I'll get out of it. Well, number one, you don't want to wait. Number two, you're already in an ungodly organization. Number three, they've set you up for a fall because 
course they're not going to come out. Satan's not just going to come out and lay all, all this on the table. The IRS code, number one, is so confusing. I mean, I, I think even Reagan was quoted and a lot of high-level politicians that say it's so confusing and utterly hopeless to understand. Nobody can understand it. And it's done that way for a reason. It contradicts itself in so many places. The, the, the actual IRS code, there's no way to know. But in regard to these things that we're talking about today, no, I don't believe that most of the pastors and or deacons have sought these things out. If they really did search them out, yes, they could find this stuff. And it is in there. But it's something that most of them haven't bothered to do. They haven't chosen to be Bereans. They, they have chosen to go along with what the cemeteries have told them to do. The seminaries that they went to. They've chosen to follow man rather than seeing if what man was doing was lining up with the word of God. Now the earmark of the time we're moving into is deception according to Jesus Christ. So don't you think you've got to be extra careful nowadays to not just go along with the status quo? The Bible says that narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal and few there be that find. Now I'm not going to equate this issue with salvation but it sure doesn't help any. And the truth is a narrow way. It's not the popular way. It never is. So, these people are duped most of the time. And most of them are saying, wow, this has never been... They, they can, he can, Brother Johnson could say this all they want, but it hasn't been implemented. Well, I'm telling you right now, these 13,000 counties that have got on board with FEMA and these pastors that, that are coming on board... See, now it's coming time to pay the piper. Now the chickens are coming home to roost. See, all of these things that I'm talking about right now haven't been shoved down and rammed down your throats, especially from the beginning because Satan wanted to bait you in through subtlety, get you in without you knowing the full story, and then at the right time, when martial law is imposed, then you're going to have this, then it's going to be time to pay the piper. And I mean that. So... That's what that's the scenario of, of what's going on here. So number three, well we already talked about the IRS must approve and recognize this creed and form of worship, which is you know. Now granted, there's most churches so they don't tell me what to say or what to do when I, but see the thing is is theoretically they can tell you that. Theoretically, you shouldn't be. You're the one that got yoked up with them with this 501c3. Theoretically, you shouldn't be doing that. Theoretically, you're the one in the wrong. Because you're the one that yoked up with the IRS, the government, to this corporate status. It's not their fault. You did it. I don't want to give... I'm sorry, but... Really, in God's eyes, looking down... You get in bed with the devil, you make a deal with the devil, is that the devil's fault? Maybe he tricked you into it. Is that any less of an excuse? He tricked you into it? Did you search these things out? Did you, did you rightly divide the word of truth? Did everything you do line up with the word of God? Did you take this corporate status based on scripture? Oh, thou shalt be a corporation under the Lord? Where's that verse? So that you could, so that all your members can pay their tithes and alms or whatever, and and, 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 and write it off on thou taxes on thou's taxes. Where's that in the Bible? Now, point number four: the church must have a definite and distinct ecclesiastical government. Again, show me that in the Bible. In Acts, they met in basically just like we're meeting now in, in a home church. 
You know, where, where did it say? Where did Jesus say, "Thou shalt have an ecclesiastical government"? You will have, now understand that yes, he talked about pastors and deacons. Of course, Jesus didn't so much, but the apostles did in, in the uh, apostolic writings and these types of things. Okay, but this is a formally recognized government by our government. Okay. Point number five, the church must have a formal code of doctrine and discipline. I don't really have a problem with that. That's about the only point I don't have a problem with. Okay, because I think the Bible's clear in that. So I, I agree with one point, well, just one. Number six, the church must have a distinct religious history. Well, this is basically denominationalism, okay, which I don't see, you know, the only time I see a name being put is in Antioch, they were first called Christians in Acts, okay. I would just rather refer to myself as a Bible-believing Christian, okay, rather than calling myself a denomination. <clears throat> Number seven, the church must be an organization. Oh, wow, well that sounds great. An organization. Again, show me that in the Bible. The church, point eight, the church must be an organization of ordained ministers. Ordained. Who ordained them? The state. You took a state license? What about John Bunyan? Wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Wasn't that the reason he got thrown in jail? He refused to take a license? Oh, it's no different nowadays. That's a, that's a point I, I haven't got into very much. So you go, you, as a pastor, you go to the cemetery and you get your training. Okay? And they, 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 they corrupt your thinking on a whole bunch of issues. I'm not saying it's all bad, but a lot of it is. On, on a lot of the weightier matters like what we're talking about today, 501c3 status, what Bible you're reading, questioning the Word of God, all kind of bad things get done in most cemeteries, cemeteries, seminaries, sorry. And then, you get ordained by the state. Again, show me that in the Bible. Show me where Jesus went to Caesar and said, oh, I, I really, I need a license to preach there, Caesar. Or any of the apostles did. No, actually they got martyred because they wouldn't go along with the state. So see, it, it's a double whim. There's a, there's a lot of different ways that you're going along with things here. They're, they're absolute, I believe, an abomination in the sight of God. So you got to, it has, this 5013C3 church that, that gets a tax exempt status must be an organization of ordained ministers. Ordained by the state, not of God. And again, I guess that would lead Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, all the apostles, and basically all the martyrs out. They were, we, I guess we're better than they. That's essentially what we're saying here. Number nine, the church must have these ordained ministers who are selected after completing a pre prescribed course of study. Hmm. They have to be selected after they've completed a pre prescribed course of study. Like the apostles who had only been with Jesus, local Baptist churches many times approved pastors who were not educated at all in any formal way. Okay, and, th and this is... Pastor Dixon right in there. And that's true. But most of those ones they approve are not that way. And I'm not saying that, that, that all church education is evil or whatever, but so much of it, it's the foundation upon which it corrupts them from the get-go. So, again, look at all the people you'd be leaving out. And you've got to go to a, to complete this prescribed course of study, Don't you, most of the time they're going to a state licensed seminary. So the, so the seminary is licensed by the state, and then they got to get their state license to be ordained as a minister, and then they got to get their state licensed 501c3 corporate status so they can be tax exempt. 
how far in bed with the government can you get? If you look at it from all those standpoints, that's a whole other element to this. Number 11, the church must submit to the IRS by paying a user fee, which is tribute, for tax-exempt status. This would be contrary to scriptures in the U.S. and all state constitutions. So you, the church has to, has to submit to the Internal Revenue Service by paying them a user fee so that they can get a tax-exempt status. Unbelievable. The church must be engaged... Point number 12. The church must be engaged in activities that further, that further exclusively that further, quote, exclusively public purposes rather than private interests. Well, the true church of Christ exists for the personal and private interest of Christ or head and not the state. My church has to be formed for that? Well, there's a lot of pastors who say, well, bless God, I'm not doing any of that. I'm preaching against sin. I'm preaching against sin. Your day's coming. Your day's coming. And, and just think about this. Here's another thing that I haven't mentioned yet. <clears throat> We're talking about this from a physical standpoint. What about the spiritual headship you're putting yourself under when you take all these licenses and statuses and stuff for the state? What about the spiritual influence you're putting yourself under? What about the... Well, hold on. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, princes, rulers, and wickedness in high places, these types of things. That's our true battle. Do you think those same evil, wicked entities are emanating and operating through... These governmental licensing institutes, these things that have brought the, 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 the church into bondage, well, those are unseen. So see, when you when you take this 501c3 status, when you get all these state licensing, you, your headship is not of God. Your headship is of another God. Don't you think that's going to affect you? How could it not affect you from a, from a spiritual standpoint? Well, I don't think it affects me. It's because you're blind to it. You're not seeing it. You're too close to the forest to see the trees. So that was point uh, 11. Or no, no, that's that was point 12. Point 13. The church must answer to the IRS as to its daily activities. Quote, daily activities. Church, see, the, church, the IRS can come in any time and... and, and, and get whatever information they want. They were the ones that created you, gave you your tax-exempt status. Don't you think they have a right to police you then? Because you gave them that authority. 4.14 The IRS controls all financial activities of the church, including source, donors of $100 or more, and expenditures. IRS controls all financial activities of the church. No, they don't. I, I go to church and they don't control any of my finance. Yeah, you, you wait and see. You wait. They have that authority. They just haven't exercised the authority yet. That's what a lot of this boils down to. You've put yourself in subjection to them, and you think that they don't have any authority over you like I'm talking about today when it's all in the IRS manuals. It's all The precedence has already been set, and I'm going to tell you how to get this information in a second here, how you can research this all for yourself, see that it's true, study to show yourself approved unto God. They just haven't exercised the authority yet. It's the frog in the boiling water. When it gets to a slow boil, that's when they're going to start to exercise all this stuff. It's too late. It's too late. You wonder why the church is in the shape it's in? 
You don't have to look much further than this in the King James issue. Those are the two pivotal issues. 1881, that revised version came out. And that started leavening and leavening and leavening. It was a corrupt word of God. And if the word of God is our foundation, that the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundation was being destroyed at that point, don't you think that's going to affect the church? Especially if they're going by one of these perversions? The NIV itself has 64,098 less words. The Bible says if you take away from these, these uh, this is the second to last verse in the Bible, if you take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, I will take away your part out of the book of life. If you add unto them, I will add unto you the plagues. You think it's kind of important to God if you mess with His word? Those two reasons, this 501c3 tax-exempt status, all these licenses, and the Word of God, I think those are the two main reasons that the church is in the, sh- the shape it's in right now in America. I'm not saying they're the, only, they're the only reasons, I'm saying they're two of the main ones. So let's go further here. The IRS... Okay, we already read that one. Number 15, the church may not use cash, or it will be suspected of money laundering. All books and records must be available to the IRS for inspection at all times. They can come in any time. Just because they haven't come in doesn't mean they can't. It just doesn't mean they won't. Now, if you go along with the status quo and you be a good little boy and you and you cow down to them and you go along with the theme of plans and the martial law and all these other things, no, they're probably not going to look at anything. In fact, there's going to probably be a lot of people going into the tribulation saying, look, they haven't, they haven't implemented any of this and I've been a nice, good yes man. And I've went through and done everything they wanted me to do. And they haven't done any of this. That old brother Johnson, he was just full of hot air. Yeah, you go against them and you see what happens. It's like going against the mob. Go against them and see what happens. You play ball their way, sure, they're going to they're gonna reward you. You go against them, we'll see. The church, point 16, the church must act in a capacity of an informer to the IRS as to who serves at the church in the capacity of pastors, associates, counselors, educational directors, teachers, office help, clerical, and maintenance personnel. So in other words, the church must act in the capacity of a, of a rat-think informer. That's basically what they're saying. Point 17, the church must inform the IRS as to who the church helps in the area of charity. Unbelievable. Point 18. The church must inform the IRS as to love gifts to evangelists and missionaries over $600 by filing a form 1099 on each including those who are regularly supported. All governmental bureaucracy paperwork. Now I got this this lovely um, little cartoon from a local church in our area. I'm not going to say the name, but... It's, it's, a, it's a local, independent, fundamental Baptist church, and this was in their newsletter. And it shows a picture of, a, of an usher or a deacon, and he's handing the, the uh, collection plate to this man sitting in the pews. And he says to him, this usher or deacon says, quote, Remember, sir, that which you render unto God is deductible from that which you render unto Caesar. Let me read that again. Remember, sir, that which you render unto God is deductible from that which you render unto Caesar. So in other words, this is a big joke to them. They think it's funny that that which you give to God, you can deduct it from that which you render unto Caesar, which would be like the government. Now, 
I have a whole article that a guy named Sam Adams did on this. It's called, uh, I think, Rendering Unto Caesar, something like that. It's the best article I have ever seen written on this very subject. It's very succinct. It's not a whole book. Now, Dr. Dixon wrote a book on this called The Trail of Blood Revisited. But if you want even a shorter synopsis, actually I put a whole email together where all of this information that I'm giving you right now is in one place where you can order the books, read the articles, so you can get educated. Don't, don't, don't trust my opinion. Don't, don't, don't even trust what I'm saying. Search it out for yourself. See, see whether what I'm saying is the truth or not. I've never seen anybody refute any of this information. I haven't. So, they think it's a big joke. They think it's a real big joke. Well, the joke's going to be on them when judgment comes. Point 19. The church must only use IRS-approved methods of fundraising. Again, ask your section yourself in all these things, where is this ordained in the Bible that this is the way it should be? What if, what if it said, you know, I mean, where, does, where do we end here? Where, where, where does it end? You could say, well, we got to always obey the government. Well, what, where does it end? Well, if they tell you to, to, to turn in everybody, if they tell you to... to uh, where, where does it end? So that's why you got to go by the Word of God and not by any, any teaching of man, whether it's from the government, whether it's from uh, your church. See, search it out in Scripture, the King James Bible, to see if it's so. And I had somebody email me this week. Uh, they posted a comment... And on one of the sermons, and he said something about how I'm railing about this King James issue, and you, you really, it sounds like you're in some kind of cult. You know, that's the thing I always hear about the King James stuff. You know, all that God gave me was his opinion, number one. Nothing to, to not a shred of nothing. Just, you know what they, they love to do, the, the people that are against the King James Bible? Call anybody that's, that's King James only a cult. You need, the Bible says, he that judgeth the matter before he heareth it is a folly and a shame unto him. It says that in Proverbs. He that judgeth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. I am going to do a whole exclusive teaching on this subject, hopefully in the near future. And, I, and again, I interject a lot of the stuff about the King James Bible on a weekly basis. But these are people that haven't even ever bothered to search things out at all. At all. They just assume that, oh, their NIV is good and all this other stuff. They... This is the problem with the church. They want their sin, and they're willing to say and do anything to justify their sin. They haven't searched anything out. Let me, let, what, please, that person that did that, he didn't leave his email address, email me. And let, and let me email you the whole, the whole premise upon which I stand. I'll just email that to you. I'm not going to rebuke you or anything. I'm just going to, and you search that thing out. And if you can refute the information that is available in regard to the King James Bible, if you can refute the please try. But you won't be able to. I have been in their shoes. I have, I have when I was uh, first saved as a uh, born again Christian, I was a fruity Pentecostal. Reading, reading the Living Bible, reading NIV, every translation. I thought I was really hot. Uh, Mr. Scholar. Oh, I got all my different Bible versions. Isn't that, what the, isn't that what Satan did in the Bible? You shall be as God. He questioned God's word. Well, I could, I could go by any interpretation I wanted to. But the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. It says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word. 
You're telling me there's 200 versions up in heaven and God just views them all the same? His words are settled in heaven. They're settled. They're in stone. Okay? It's not like we can have whatever version we want and take an ad and do whatever we want. You will start to think of yourself as a little mini-God. Because I started thinking, well, hey, if they if that was their interpretation, I don't know if I, my interpretation is this. I'm serious. I started thinking these things. I started actually reinterpreting corrupt versions. I actually started writing out verses that I interpreted a certain way. Where does it end? I was terrible. It didn't last very long. Praise the Lord. God let me have a little taste of all that apostasy and heresy. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ, He was merciful to me. I truly didn't know any better. Now, I'm not saying that's an excuse, but I truly did not know any different at that time. But the Lord showed me. He can show you too. I'm not saying I'm better. And if, if there's any way I can help you, just email me. I'll get you all this information. I didn't have somebody at the time that did for me what I could do to help somebody else. I didn't. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I did not have... I had one ver- I had one tape given to me by another Pentecostal lady. It was on Gail Ripplinger um, on an interview she did, which is one of the best interviews I've ever seen. It's one of the best ways you can present somebody the King James truth. And if you have any questions, I'll send you the link to this video. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. She does it in a very gentle way. She's not saying she's a pastor or anything like that, but she does it in a very gentle way. And there's no way you're going to give this to somebody and they're going to get... I've never seen anybody get offended by it. I haven't. Because she does it so gently. But yet truthfully. And um, that was what started getting my eyes open to this whole issue. And it changed my life. That was the single greatest thing that ever happened to me that opened my eyes to the rest of all the heresy and the apostasy that was going on in the church. That I was blind to until I realized what the true word of God was. Well, why would God do it in that order? Because if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The word of God is the foundation. God wasn't going to show me about all the heresy and the apostasy that was so obvious to me after I realized what the true word of God was. He wasn't going to go in that order. At least not in my case. He showed me what the word of God was first. My eyes got opened because now I had truth in front of me and the truth shall make you free when I was in bondage then I was able to all of a sudden it's like my eyes got open I'm like wow we're doing a lot of really biblical stuff in this church even if you go by an NIV Bible went to the pastors in this big mega church oh let go and let God Scott what are you doing man don't, don't cause division among the brethren touch not thou God's anointed all these pant verses that all these guys you get taught in cemetery to repeat and parrot out when they get put in any kind of corner. Judge not, lest thou be judged. Who are you to judge? You know, I didn't do it in a, in a mean way either. I did it in a very nice way. I actually did it in a humble way. The Bible says that if you see your brother in error, go to such an one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. That's the way I always tell people to do it. Unless somebody's just coming right out and, and just hammering you across the head right off the bat. Hey, it's, it's a different deal for different people. So, anyway, that was a little of my history there. Uh, point 20. The pastor of the church must not preach against the tax system of the U.S. or say anything against the practices and tactics of the Internal Revenue Service. Well, sure, they're the ones that gave you your, your right to exist. They, you can't be preaching against them. No way! They're the one that gave you your right to exist. According to that corporate status... 
that they can take away at any time they want if you're not towing the line. Sure they can do that. Point 21, the pastor of the church must answer to the IRS and give unlimited submission to the civil magistrate pertaining all laws, federal, state, and local, including public policy. Now this is from a man who's been there, done it, lived it. Had his church taken away and bulldozed to the ground. I think this man, Dr. Dixon, is qualified if anybody is on the face of the planet based on all the legal things he's had put in front of him, based on all the, the, the court battles he's been in, based on what he's seen firsthand, I think he's qualified to render this based on what's clearly spelled out in the IRS manuals. Another thing to bring up, and I don't have all the information right now, but Pastor Dixon has went in and talked about not just 501c3, but the IRS would still consider if you say you're unincorporated and or a corporate soul, I know these are the words, they've added things in the last 5-10 years that have made it all-encompassing. To even these churches that say they're unincorporated and say that, well, I'm a corporate soul or I'm a whatever, no, you're still included as far as the IRS is concerned. You're still included in this. So it's not that e it's not this isn't an easy thing if you're already doing it to get out of. It's very hard. I think Dr. Dixon knows of about the only way to do it. But I'll tell you what, your your church membership's probably gonna go down, down, down. If you've got people that are in there for the wrong reasons and things like that, you're gonna lose all those people. Most likely. Oh well. Better to be right with the Lord than be than than to serve man. Better to be right with God when you stand before Him at the judgment seat of Christ. Why? These guys aren't even going to make you the judgment seat of Christ. They're going to be in the great white throne judgment. They're so deceived. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, so let's go a little further. The pastor of the church... Okay, so we already said that. He must answer the IRS and give a limited submission to all the civil magistrate pertaining to all laws, federal, state, and local doesn't matter if it contradicts the Bible or not. doesn't matter if public policy contradicts the Bible or not. Still, hey, they formed you. They have a right to tell you what to do. Point 22. The pastor of the church must advocate and promote and actively encourage race mixing if the church has an educational ministry. They have to, they have to encourage race mixing. Now, I'm sorry, but I don't see a whole lot of good fruit from race mixing. I'm not saying I'm some white separatist, bigot, Arminian or Aryan youth guy that wants to build some kind of Nordic super race like Hitler. I'm not saying that, okay? But I'm saying God separated the races at the Tower of Babel for a reason. That's my point, okay? I don't see a whole lot of good fruit when we start mixing all these different particular races because look what happened to Solomon. Here he was. I mean, this prayer that he said to God pleased God. One of the few times in the Bible you ever hear God was pleased about anything. But then what did he do? He married Pharaoh's daughter. His first mistake Solomon made. Who was that? Some pagan of another race. Then what did he do? Well, he took 700 wives and 300 concubines. So he had a thousand wives, or a thousand women at his beck and call. Most of them were involved in paganism and idolatry and were from other races. They turned his heart away from God. He ended up building um, uh, temples and things like this to Moloch and Chemosh. Moloch and Chemosh were two of the main deities of child sacrifice. How far had he fallen by the end of his life? And what did it? It said the Bible's clear. It said these women had turned his heart away from the Lord. 
a woman could be turned away from the Lord from the wrong man. And he could be in the same race. So I'm not going that that, that couldn't happen being in the same race, because that happens all the time too. I'm just using that to illustrate a point though. So, 23. The pastor of the church cannot influence legislation concerning the licensure of church ministries. The pastor of the church cannot influence legislation concerning the licensure of church ministries. I'm not 100% sure exactly what that means. But in other words, you can't you can't mess with any kind of legislation. Um, I believe that would go against the Internal Revenue Service. Point 24. The pastor of the church cannot engage in political activity in regard to opposing pornography. Now, this is one of the main points they brought against Pastor Dixon. He had a, at one time, he had this big thing where he went against pornography openly in Indianapolis. And this was one of the reasons the IRS came in when it was all said and done and said, you're going against this governmental tenant, okay? You're not supposed to do that as a church. It's against the corporate status. It's against the government. You're not supposed to do stuff like that. It's not politically correct. It's one of the main... And, and he proved this because when the IRS came in and said, this is the reason we've done all this to you, we've taken your church, we bulldozed it, here's, here's, a whole, here's a whole book of reasons why we've done this. And all the things he had done openly, actively, within the community to oppose basically gigantic sin issues like pornography and things like this, none of that was allowed by the IRS. Did you know that? None of it was allowed. You're not supposed to do that. Just because they don't exercise control like this in every instance doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. You're really the one in the wrong if, you're, if you put yourself under this and you're not doing it. Okay, let's go further. 25. The pastor of the church cannot actively support legislation that declares that children belong to their parents and not the state. Oh, isn't that nice? They can't do that. You, you, can't, you can't say that children belong to their parents and not the state. The state owns them. Which is in a way kind of true because when you get a social security number, you got that number, that's a whole other rabbit trail. You got your birth certificate, you got that social security number. It's bondage. Total bondage. But again, that's a whole other study. We don't have to it's it's no different for the church. They go to a they go to a state approved corporate seminary. They get their state approved they get their licensing. They get their state approved license and then they get their five oh one C three status. It's all bondage. It's all bondage. And again, show me in the Bible. Show me the apostles doing any of this. Show me Jesus Christ doing any of this. Show me the martyrs doing any of this. I don't see it. Ever. Going further. Past, uh, point 26. The pastor of the church cannot actively support legislation opposing a state lottery or other gambling laws. You're speaking out against things that the state are, are in approval of. You can't do that. You're not supposed to, at least. And again, this, this, was all, this was all what was given back to Dr. Dixon in the form of why they had the right to do what they did to his church. All in newspaper clippings that, the, that I believe the IRS had actually cut out and sent back to him. This is why we're doing what we're doing to you, Dr. Dixon. You can't do this. 
point twenty-seven, the pastor of the church cannot advocate or support the U.S. or the state constitutions as the supreme law of the United States or the various states, because the IRS has precedence over this. Point twenty-eight, the pastor of the church cannot actively participate in opposing the public school system. <laughs> point twenty-nine, the pastor of the church cannot declare public policy that the church is to obey God and not the government. Why don't you just throw your Bible out? Because you've just made the word of God of none effect. Really, getting into this, you've made the word of God of none effect. Into this whole 501c3 status. Past point 30, the pastor of the church cannot oppose laws legalizing sodomy. Conclusion. This entire 47-page booklet is available for a gift of any amount, including postage and shipping through... Temple Books. I'll give you the address. Temple Books. P.O. Box 11. Indianapolis, Indiana. 46206. I'll repeat it again. Temple Books. P.O. Box 11. Indianapolis, Indiana. 46206. Or you can email Dr. Dixon personally. Dr. Greg Dixon at earthlink.net. It's just one word. D-R G-R-E-G D-I-X-O-N Dr. Greg Dixon at earthlink.net or and or go to www.unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com www.unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com to get this book. Also get The Trail of Blood Revisited. Email me. I'll give you more confirmation of this. I just scratched the surface today. Yeah, we just brought up another point in regard to the people that have judged uh, Dr. Dixon in Indianapolis Baptist Temple. Uh, the people that, and most people don't even know about it, but uh, the ones that do in, let's say, independent fundamental Baptist circles have just automatically assumed, they look at it from a very cursory standpoint, and they just assume, oh, well, you know, Dr. Dixon, he was just wrong. He was just, he was just wrong. He went against the government, and now he's paying the... Piper and all these other things, and he, he wasn't obeying the law of the land, and, and he, you know, they haven't even sought these things out. They haven't looked into what we just went today, and that's just, a, I'm scratching the surface. Read his book and his defense on the Trail of Blood Revisited. Well, go up to unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com and read the, the, the back issues of the Trumpet, which is their, oh, bi-monthly to tri-monthly newsletter. Actually, I'm just say bi-monthly, but it's it's uh, it comes out every two to three months. It's called the Trumpet. You can get them all for free online. They're all in PDF format. You can go up there and and, and, and research that. Go into that. Research it. Okay. You know, the evidence is absolutely totally overwhelming in regard to these matters, and you need. To understand, and again, I keep driving home this point, that we are living in the greatest time of deception the world has ever known. We need to be double-checking ourselves almost at every step to make sure we're not being deceived. To, to make sure that what we're believing is lining up with the Word of God. And um, most of the church, 99.9% .9 of the church, is not doing that at all. They're going by men, they're reading a false version. They're, they're subjecting themselves to the same spirits that these men in these 501c3 institutions are under and they're being brainwashed and you're being influenced by these same spirits and again that's very rarely ever brought up but this is that important of an issue email me I'll get you the full 
I'll give you, I mean, it's free. I'll give, I'll give it to you for free. My full email on all of the things that prove this thing out, whether you want it on the King James issue or whether you want it on the unregistered um, non-501c3 church. I've got two emails that it's like one-stop shopping for either subject. It would be about all the information you would need in regard to either subject. And I believe these are, are the foundational issues upon which we need to really key and focus upon that um, are almost totally not being preached in the church at all. To any extent. And it's one big reason why the church is in the shape that it's in right now. Okay, and the last thing we're going to get into today is an article I received from um, Raiders News Network. And it's an article entitled, and I think it melds well with what we just talked about with this whole tax-exempt thing and the whole issue of that, donations. And it's entitled, Christians' Duty to Know How Donations Are Used. Then it goes on to say, Philanthropic donations come from your heart, but where do they end up? And again... I'm not going to give them that much credit because if you're donating so you can write it off in your taxes, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just saying, how does God look at that? Just look in the scriptures. Uh, this is written, uh, or they interviewed a guy, an ex-money manager says, quote, enough to the secretive Christian ministry spending. Uh, <clears throat> anyone watching televangelists on television, and this is from ABC News. ABC News. John Strassel. Stossel and, and Glenn Ruppel, okay? It's, it's amazing when you can actually quote from ABC News and have agreement. Listen to this. Which actually gives it a little more, in a way, a little bit more credence, too, because it's like, I've heard this both from Christian and secular sources. This is definitely going on. And when you're, when you're within this 5013C3 status, which is corrupt from the get-go, don't you think corruption is going to be a result of this? The spirits that emanate from these things are going to influence you to do good or evil. Well, this starts out by saying anyone watching the telev televangelists on television will hear plenty of pitches for money. Jan and Paul Crouch of Trinity Broadcasting say they are in need of big bucks to help their network on the air and to help the poor around the world. Benny Hinn of Benny Hinn Ministries has made heartfelt pleas to help the people of Calcutta, while Rod Rajan Rod Parsley of Breakthrough Ministries has asked for help to spread the gospel in the people of Nepal. Christian, I mean, do you think these people are going to come out and say, Hey, guys, I need a new limousine. I need a new, need a new plane. Come on, sow your seed faith promise. Sow, sow your seed promise into my ministry, and I'll send you this secret magical handkerchief, and you can go around and heal everybody. Start your own ministry. Make more money. No, they're not going to say that. Christian ministries and charities promise to do all kinds of good things with your money. And that makes the donors feel great about sending in their checks. And again, this is now we're, we're taking it a step further. We just talked about this 501c3 status. We talked about writing off on this, how that's totally unbiblical. Now we're going to see, okay, where's your money really going? If it's corruption that you're sowing into, how is the money being used? And aren't you going to have to give an account for that money when you get to heaven? Christian ministries and charities promise to do all kinds of good things with your money, and that makes donors feel great about sending in their checks. The problem is they can't always find out exactly how their donations are being spent. This is entitled, A Life of Charity and Luxury. The givers are very confident that they will 
are very confident that they will. One parishioner told ABC News that when I, quote, when I give to this church, I know that my money is being put to excellent use, without question. Qu- end of quote. While her pastor, Fred Price, Fred Price, oh yeah. Oh yeah, Freddy boy. Yeah. Fred Price of Ever Increasing Faith Ministries. You know what they should call he, his his ministry is called Ever Increasing Faith Ministries. It should be called Ever Increasing Bank Accounts Faith Ministries. Ever Increasing Bank Accounts. Fred Price, he says he supports inner city programs with the donors' money. This woman says she's apparently not bothered when he boasts that, quote, I live in a 25-room mansion, I have my own $600 million yacht, I have my own private jet, and have my own helicopter, and I have seven luxury automobiles. Oh, Freddy boy, spread the gospel. Spread the good news. These stinking wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're, they're coming out and saying this. I've heard Fred Price say some things that I can't even repeat. Email me and I'll, I'll give you his quotes. By thy words thou shalt be justified. By thy words thou shalt also be condemned. <laughs> so, it says at least he tells his parishioners about his wealth. Well, that's true. At least he's been a little bit honest. But many preachers don't advertise how well they live. The popular Kenneth Copeland of Kenneth Copeland Ministry lives in a large mansion in Texas. He recently asked his audience to help him spread the gospel by giving him $20 million more million to buy a new jet. I was wrong about that. I'm sorry they are asking these things. They're, they're that flagrant and that open about it now. Copeland promises that the plane, quote, will never ever be used as long as it's in our care for anything other than what is becoming to you, Lord Jesus, end of quote. Do you realize the place in hell that these people have? How hot they're going to burn? There's, there's, different, there's different compartments of hell. There is. And not everybody's just going to get the same punishment in hell. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Our ABC affiliate in Dallas, WFAA, took a closer look. Now, this is ABC reporting on this. Reporter Brent Ship obtained flight records that revealed that Copeland's jet, on its way to an evangelical seminar in Australia last October, made, two, made a two-day layover in Maui. Then it was in Fiji Islands for another stop. I guess he was just spreading the gospel wherever he went. After seven days in Australia, the Copelands headed to Honolulu for another three days of what they call eating and rest, quote, Last December, amid other evangelical stops, the jet made the first two trips to Colorado Airport, just a few miles away from the Steamboat Springs Ski Resort. And finally, there was a flight to southwest Texas, to a hunting ranch, where the Copelands have bagged exotic game over the years. Isn't that special? Now, they have a whole link there to click on to see this whole story. Spokesmen for Copeland and, and some of the other ministers we talked about pointed out that they comply with all IRS regulations. Oh, I bet they do! Now, I didn't even know that was in there. I wasn't even planning on reading this article today. But see, they... they hey! The IRS will reward their own. You go along with the status quo. You be a good boy. You cow down. You support that, that wicked system. We're going to reward you, boy. That right there alone should make you kind of throw up some questions about IRS regulations, shouldn't it? If we got a devil in the flesh doing this. A, minister, a wolf in sheep's clothing. An angel of light spirit transformed into a minister of righteousness who was really a devil. 
Unbelievable. Then it says, in a Rusty Leonard, just but but just complying with the law is not good enough, said one man. Rusty Leonard is a devout Christian who knows a lot about money. He runs a well he runs a company called Stewardship Partners, which invests wealthy clients' money in companies that he believes have Christian friendly values. Before that, Leonard spent a decade as a high powered money manager for Templeton Investments. When he quit, he was he was in charge of three point five billion dollars. He walked away from a seven figure salary because he felt because he felt called by God and says, quote, you know when you feel called to do something, you do it. That calling was to look after the donor's money and make sure it was spent properly. He says some people are being hosed because they just don't know what's being done with the cash they give. Not some, I'd say just about all. Leonard and his wife, Carol, gave millions to Christian charities before they decided they needed to look deeper. Millions! He told us that, quote, we've all been trained to not even think. To just give the money over and over and to not ask questions and just, because then if we don't, we're just not good stewards. And all the satisfaction we get is the act of giving, not making sure the actual good work gets done. And again, when did Jesus Christ tell us that we need to give in all this money into the church system so they can build these big gigantic ch- churches, all these big gigantic ministries, all these big programs, and maybe, maybe have a little bit for your benevolent fund, or a little bit going to going to some missionaries here and there. All these big monstrosity buildings that have all this overhead and all the property taxes and everything else that goes along with it. Of course, I think of your five hundred one c three you exempt because you know they, they give you that they give you that privilege. Where did Jesus do that once? Where did the apostles do it once? Where did the martyrs do it? I don't see it. But that's where all the money ends up going. Most of it, the vast majority. <clears throat> As a result, Leonard started up the research group called Ministry Watch. They asked Christian ministers and charities to reveal their finances. At first it was tough going. (coughs) Since he says nobody had ever held him to account from an independent perspective. So they were totally freaked out by these ministries. See, they're above the law. Just like our government. They're totally above the law. They're not accountable to anybody. We're doing God's work. How dare you question us? Touch not thou God's anointed. We're holier than thou. So how they act. See, they're, they're, everybody needs to be held accountable. Myself included. Everybody needs to be accountable. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged of God. Well, I take comfort in that verse. I do. I try to judge myself on a daily basis. And that doesn't give me a license to sin. Okay? But I think if we would judge ourselves... If your little kid came to you and, and he said, Daddy, I'm sorry I broke this window... I, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I, well, well what, if, what if you call, go to the kid and you say, Hey, Tommy, I know you broke the window. Oh, no, I, I didn't break. He lies to you. Which, which way are you going to be more... Which, which reaction are you going to be happier with as a parent? <laughs> God's no different, I believe. So, this article goes on to say, Many said no, they threatened to sue. In other words, when they wanted to have a little accountability, where's your money going? No, 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 we're not going to tell you where this money is going. We'll sue you. Oh, isn't that biblical? Bringing bring, bring, bring another brother to law? The Bible forbids it. But these aren't, even, these aren't even Christian organizations. They're devils. So it's okay for them. Leonard wasn't intimidated. He says his attitude was, bring it on. Uh, this guy's pretty cool. I mean, you know, he did this. And you know, frankly, they... They like to threaten that, but they don't actually like to do it. 
Well, sure they don't. They don't want some big lawsuit in the paper saying where we don't want to admit our accountability. They don't want that. Because if they did it, they would raise the awareness of the whole problem to a new higher level. That's exactly what I just said. While the charities legally must report their finances, ministries are generally exempt. However, Leonard feels they have a moral responsibility to do so. If anybody would have a moral responsibility to do so, yes, it would be some Christian ministry. As a result, Ministry Watch criticizes its 28 Christian groups, including some of the most successful televangelists in America, all for having little or no financial transparency. And then it has a little link here you can click on to see the full list of these ministers, which really would be any minister on TV, if you think most of them. The vast majority. <clears throat> then he says, it's a huge red flag, Leonard says. Nobody should donate to any of those ministries. There's no point in donating to a ministry that wants to take your money, but not tell you a thing about how they're going to spend that money. It doesn't mean that they're doing anything wrong. I won't give them that much credit, though. But it's a very high probability that someone, something here is wrong. <clears throat> Leonard says the attitude of some charities is, quote, trust us. But the problem is, he adds, is, is that, quote, I'm human, you're human. If I had no constraints on me, I'd probably do all kinds of stupid things. Well, he's being honest, because the, there's a saying that says, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's what you're giving a ministry when they have no accountability at all. They've already thrown the Bible out. So who's gonna, who are they to be accountable to? Nobody. A small but prominent number of groups receive, quote, donor alerts. These are cases where he has been able to review some financial information and as a result has serious concerns about how their money is spent. That list includes the Crouches and the Trinity Broadcasting Network, the largest religious broadcaster in the world. Ministry Watch revealed that Trinity Broadcasting sits on a 34 $340 million cash hoard. Trinity. And owns houses in an exclusive Orange County, California, hidden behind very regal gates. They control one mansion worth about $4 million, and even a bigger one, over 10,000 square feet, that's worth about $6 million. The Crouches also travel the world on a jet worth reported about $7 million. This is the same Paul Crouch we talked about last week that had a homosexual affair with a black gay lover drug addict pedophile, and I mean all of that, and it was well reported in the media, at least in California it was, it didn't make, I don't think, national, because they're one of their, their, they wouldn't want to mess with one of their own. Yeah, it's the same Paul Crouch, head of TBN, the largest Christian. See, see how, how incredibly insane and, and, and leavened and bad things have become, and yet the church does nothing for the most part. Nothing. Unbelievable. Oh yeah, where's the Assemblies of God bringing old Paul Crouch to, to uh, disciplinary actions? Oh no, we, we can't have that. Too much money being made. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. These are just hirelings. They have no true love for the flock. They're just wolves in sheep's clothing. They're just doing what their father, the devil, is going to have them do. This is what Jesus said. You have your father, the devil, and of, of his works you will do. That's all they are. They're tares amongst the wheat. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Devils, evil men and seducers, waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Bible clearly predicted it would be this way. I mean, if people listen to this and they get all depressed. Why? It's confirmation of Scripture. Look at it that way. Don't get depressed. Get fired up. Fight. Quit you like men. Be ye strong, as the Bible says. 
I'm sorry, I don't want to say that like I think I'm Mr. Super Christian. It's just that this really, all I can do is get righteous and indignant about this. Somebody's got to do something about it. And I'm not saying people aren't. I'm not saying I'm the only one. It's just that I'm talking the majority of Christians. They sit back and they hear this, or if they do hear it, and they just ignore it. They, 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 they believe everything that's just put in front of them. And they don't believe anything that could possibly be... They don't believe there could be a conspiracy of her prophets, as the Bible talks about. No, there can't... No, not in this time. No, even though the Bible predicted this is the time it would actually happen greater than any other time in the history of the planet, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, in the days of Noah, the Bible said it had gotten so bad that all men only had evil thoughts continually in their heart all the time. He had to destroy the whole earth. As in the days of Lot, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was happening in Lot's day? Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Leonard criticizes Crouch's lifestyle, noting that, quote, we would expect that in most Christian ministries, the leadership should have some degree of sacrifice. You want to see that degree of sacrifice. Jesus lived a life of sacrifice. And then... We have this quote, It's the devil. Paul Crouch, however, disagrees in the past. He has fired back, charging that, quote, These critics want to be humble and poor like Jesus. Want, want us to be humble. Paul Crouch and his ministry. They want us to be humble and poor like Jesus. He's even acknowledging Jesus was poor and humble. A lot of them say, Oh, no, no, no. Jesus walked around big money. John and Vanzini and these guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was walking around big money. Judas had the bag, you know. He had the money. Give me a break. Let me tell you how subtle... Let me tell you how subtle that is from Satan himself. So, so this is Paul Crouch speaking. Let me tell you how subtle that is from Satan himself, that we're supposed to be humble and poor. If God's people are poor as Job's turkey, who's going to pay to send the gospel to the ends of the earth? Oh yeah, I'm sure those $400 million mansions are helping that send that gospel. And those jets and everything else. Yeah, they're helping to put the gospel forth. His perverted, feel good, come as you are, don't repent, Accept Jesus if you want to now or maybe later gospel. Lukewarm, puke, pathetic, vomiting. God's going to vomit it out of his mouth. Gospel. Oh no, that, 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 that's, that's, a, that's a stench in God's nostrils. Then Jan Crouch has expressed her similar feelings. Jan Crouch, who took, who looks like she's taken the mantle of Tammy Faye. Look at her face. She puts the makeup on the same way Tammy Faye did. She looks, I mean, it's, I really believe that that devil that was on Tammy Faye, or whatever that possessing spirit was, because these people are all demon-possessed to the toenails, that spirit transferred onto her, or a like spirit, because look, they look just the same. She said she had similar feelings, saying, quote, it's the devil, it's Satan. This is Jan Crouch. If he, has, if he has said, don't give, hey, you're listening to the wrong side. In other words, to their ministry, don't give. You're listening to the wrong sign. In response, Leonard notes that, quote, it's kind of hard to declare that you're living in a fine house is a good deed. That just seems like a selfish deed. They do some good work, but they could spend a whole lot of money if they sold the house and the car and the jet plane. Well, obviously. His, his growing influence is seen elsewhere. After Leonard criticized the Joyce Myers Ministries, she opened up the financial records and sold off a group of million-dollar homes she and her family had been using. Well, good. Good old Joyce was helped. Good old Pastor Joyce. There's no biblical precedent for in the whole New Testament where a woman was a pastor or a deacon. It says the, the pastors and the deacons are to be the husband of one wife. Not the wife of one husband. They're not biblically qualified. Please, I'll, I'll send you the information. All I'll give you is Bible. There's no biblical precedent at all in the Bible. 
for women to be pastors. But old Joyce, she had a little bit, she got a little, her conscience got a little bit pricked here. Because she sold off a group of million dollar homes she and her family had been using. Leonard says, I think they would, ha- they would claim at the ministry that they didn't quite respond to us. That they were doing this on their own. She moved in the right direction. Well, they're all corrupt, though. I mean, all that all that is is placating a little bit. I mean, it's I, yeah, I'm glad she did, but she shouldn't even be doing what she's doing from a biblical perspective at all. God never called that woman to, 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 to be a preacher and a pastor, which is what she's doing. She's acting absolutely in the capacity of a preacher or a pastor. As for Leonard's finances, after spending $2 million of his own money on Ministry Watch, he is poorer than he used to be. But that's okay, he says. I've gone seven years without earning a salary now. Man, God bless this guy. God bless this guy. Who else, who would do this? It's a whole different scenario, but I am more joyful and happy now than I was before. Yeah, he probably does have some peace. God bless him. I hope he does have peace, because he deserves If he's going to take that kind of stance, which very, very few people will look up, will, will do... I'm going to go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. We do pray, Lord God, that your will would be done, Lord God, on earth as it is in heaven. And that, Lord God, that wherever your word is being preached worldwide, that you would bless that. That your word, you said in the Bible, will not return void. And I do pray, God, that the truth will go forth this day and set many people free. I pray to God that you would forgive us, Lord God, of any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, and form, that you would cleanse us of presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, God, that we would not be doing anything in our lives to hinder our prayers, to hinder our communication with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for the salvation that you've freely bestowed and given through your Son, Jesus Christ, through his shed blood, his death, burial, and resurrection. I pray, God, any hearing this, Recording that's not saved, I pray to God that they would repent, get saved, Lord God, this day. If they need to contact me, Lord, and for them to um, have a clear presentation of the gospel, Lord, I've got to be glad to, to uh, do that for them. Lord God, for you said in your word, it's not will that one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And I do pray, God, that you would send godly sorrow upon the wicked, Lord, because you've said in your word, Godly sorrow leadeth thee to repentance, and these people need to repent, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that this would be done for your glory, for the sake of the souls that need to be saved. I pray to God for your protective hand to be over the body of Christ, over the people meeting here this day, that you would keep us from temptation and deliver us from evil, that you would preserve your remnant, Lord God, that you would use us mightily in the times to come, in the name of Jesus Christ for your glory. We love you, Lord God. We thank you and we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.